0: This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world.
1: Place to Be Nation pop. Welcome back or welcome if this is your first edition of Traitors of the Lost Arcs. I am Tim Capel, joined as always by our illustrious panel here, uh, Scott Schiff, Scott Schiff Lit, in a formal sense. How are you this evening?
2: I'm glad to be back. You know, we had a little bit of a break, but, you know, we're back ready to talk about an arc that I didn't think, <laughs> when I first told it, I was like, oh, stupid Avengers in the 80s. And then I was <laughs> like... Oh, my God. Avengers in the 80s was some batshit stuff. So I'm ready to talk about it and discuss it with you guys.
1: Yes. Um, Andy Atherton, uh, you're the man who makes this all possible. Um, limited exposure to, to comics as a whole. Uh, I imagine very limited exposure to Avengers in the 80s. Uh, are you excited to, to dig into this melodrama, sir?
3: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm quite excited. It, for the first time, we have a a large group of characters. I, you know, the Ooh. first one we did Cap Wolf had, had was kind of limited, and and the Superman Batman one. This is like introducing all these characters and and ones that I'm actually somewhat familiar with now because of yeah, you know, television and movies. And there was there was a lot going on here. It was, it was a lot for my uh, my uh, newbie comics brain to unpack. So yeah, you guys uh you picked the doozy, Sean. <laughs>
1: that's right the aforementioned sean sean kid uh this was your pick um in some sense you're holding us all hostage tonight um you're gonna be on trial but no i'm glad you picked this this is kind of awesome um and i know you're very much looking forward to uh to unpacking it all
0: i am as i sit here in my office my freshly renovated office full of comic mm. book statue and childhood nostalgia and I sit here and look specifically at the characters who are the center point of tonight's arc oh. I am so super happy to talk about this childhood I don't know I don't know how to really describe this arc I can't wait to talk about it but <laughs> yeah uh seven-year-old Sean when he read this he like kicked my ass and I've never been able to forget about it and I couldn't think of a better one to like really bring you find folks to the loop on and share with and uh it really like when, we, when ant-man came out and because of the characters in that movie uh yeah. pretty much all the characters of that movie are represented in this arc tonight and i thought it was really good to do this one so i'm so happy to do it i'm I, i'm over the moon to talk about it today
2: so would would you consider this a character assassination I will let. I'm gonna let Tim lead it from here. So we'll okay.
0: go. Yeah, um, I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let Tim go from here, and we're going. We'll just talk about it.
1: That's so. an interesting leadoff question. We're that is definitely on the agenda for me. I, I do want to get into that, but just to kind of set the stage here, um, let folks know. I mean, like it says on the ten, we are discussing uh, the Avengers storyline, sort of informally known as the trial of Yellow Jacket. It's not one sort of concrete story it, it spans several issues in fact it really runs from from avengers volume one issues 212 through 230 but we didn't read all that many comics we I mean, read you, it you did it i
0: mean i <laughs> we did
1: well it. yeah i, I kind of <laughs> did i i found myself um getting sidetracked and distracted along the ways because such is the greatness of, of 80s avengers for me um yeah. But, Sean, you did a really great job of curating this for us. It really, reading it in the experience that, that you presented to us, I think, gave us the complete story. And mm-hmm. you didn't feel like there was anything left out, um, which was pretty nice. So, officially, the issues we read were uh, Avengers 2.12 and 2.13, 2.17, 2.24, <laughs> and then 2.27 through 2.30. So uh yeah it it kind of is in fits and starts here but that'll give you the full story of uh, of Hank Pym's fall from grace um as it was told starting under under the regime of of one writer concluded under another um and you know this is a story that I I think is pretty infamous like a lot of comic fans have heard of it but I think it's also so old (laughs) that not so many people have necessarily read it and know like the finer points of it. Like there's one scene in particular that happens very early on in Mm -hmm. the saga, like in our second issue um, that everyone sort of knows about, but that is not the whole story, right? There's much more to it than just the scene, which we will get to. Um, so I think this is fair game as a pick. It's not, again, the most obscure thing we've ever covered on this podcast, nor you know, Cap will Wolf. it be. <laughs> Yeah, Cap Wolf. I mean, come on. But um but it's something that I don't think a lot of like current comics readers are gonna be familiar with. I mean, let let's face it, when we say eighties Avengers, this is very early eighties Avengers, in fact. These are issues that are cover dated October nineteen eighty one through April of 1983. So essentially these would have been on the stands, uh, starting in the back half of 1981 and spanning basically the entire calendar year of 1982. There's like one issue in that's published in 83. That's our last issue. Um, but they, uh, that's, you know, early eighties Marvel comics and Avengers. So, um, Sean, I want to, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say something. Go ahead first. Well, I, I just want to know, um, why, uh, why, why were you drawn to, I mean, you, you mentioned this is sort of nice synergy, nice alignment with, you know, the Ant-Man film, Ant-Man, Quantum uh, Quantumania currently in theaters. Um, it, was that why you, what drew you to this no. or was it one that you'd had, you, did you have this on your mind going into when we started well, this podcast?
0: It's funny. I was about to say, Tim, can I say why I picked this? And then you just yeah it from there. So I thought about it, and the majority of the people that we associate with in Random Chats and PTBN they're all about – they know modern-day Marvel through the cinematic universe, right? Most of the pods yeah. we've done on the pod feed have been about the MCU. Andy does Stream Lounge around the MCU. Andy mostly knows about Marvel characters through the MCU. I was going to say,
3: I'm Exhibit yes. A. Yeah, Andy <laughs> is Exhibit A. A.
0: So when I was thinking through this pod and Ant-Man was coming out, I'm like, you know – I wonder how many people really, like when you think about Hank Pym and you think about the Avengers, how many, how do I shock and awe? Like if we do this podcast and I go back to the arc that really got me into the Avengers, like literally what we're going to talk about tonight, this is where I began my Avengers. Like I started Mm -hmm. reading the Avengers with this arc. This is my first like true. And I'll tell you, Tim, (laughs) this is going to crack you up. Issue number 224 was the very first Avengers story I ever read.
1: Wow. Okay. So that's, yes, that's so, yes. completely wild to me. Knowing yeah. The yeah. Content so what I
0: did not share with you, 224 is the first one I ever read. So the backstory of 224, I had to go back and read 212, which started this whole series because 224, what happened in those 220, 212, 213 and 217 is what yeah. kind of led to 224. And for those that know the MCU only, there's some huge shock and awe in this arc that they'll go back and I know Andy did it and so did Schiff go what the fuck, are you kidding me? And that's the reaction I wanted because (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's what you got and that's what people that listen to this pod and they actually went back and read the comics that's what's going to happen. So And I love this story and when we go through this, reading this as a seven-year-old kid, I was like what the fuck is going on here? And that's what I want people to realize and Based on how beloved these characters are, specifically Hank Pym, Janet Van Dyne, who in the MCU are very right. much different than they are in the comics. Right, right. And We're talking
1: characters played on, on film by Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. These who, are, are our principal are, characters. There are, are principal comics.
0: characters who are founding members of the actual Avengers team. Right. And then you also see Scott Lang in this arc. Very, Seriously, very different yeah. Scott Lang briefly, who mm. also does mention his daughter Cassie in some form or fashion. Uh, who actually works for Tony Stark Industries. So it, I just thought this is a really cool arc to kind of get MC, to get Andy and Shift particularly, but anybody that only knows it through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's talk about the comics version. It really talks yeah, about agree. what the Avengers is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, and, I mean, in full disclosure for me, um, I was aware of the events in these issues. Like... I got into Avengers, like, in the 90s. I, I'm sure I've told this story well, well, before. And it, you it got, and
0: I are very into that. We talked about this several times between you and yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go
1: ahead. And I got heavily into the Avengers, like, as of the the Heroes Return era, that when they, you know, was, you know Kurt Busiek and George Perez kind of revitalizing the series. And Hank Pym and, and Wasp were returning members to the team. And I, I kind of got to know them primarily through those stories, but I'd read about their background, their histories, just, just from character bios that you could find online, just on fan sites on the internet as it existed in, you know, 1997, 1998. Um, and so I knew like that these events had taken place. I'd never actually read these issues until, um, prepping for this podcast like i've read a lot of 80s avengers um but not this early 80s stuff so this is my first time actually reading the issues um so it was a kind of a treat for me (laughs) in that respect um and so Schiff, question for you um, (laughs) how familiar how familiar are you with the characters of hank and janet like from the comics i know that you came into comics like, you know, later than I did even. And I'm trying to think of like what impact they've how much impact they've even really had on modern day Marvel comics, like over the course of the past, I don't know, ten years.
2: Um, yeah, they I'm trying to remember because I read Avengers Disassembled and I can't remember if they were in there, but I think they were in Civil War. Um the most I actually remember them is in zombies. (laughs) Actually, uh, where um, Zombies? Yeah, where I can't remember. I think one of them ate the other, but um everyone's eating everyone, <laughs> as you do in a
1: Marvel. Yeah, uh, comic, which yeah. we we might one do of them that. ate the
2: other. You know, we we, we might do that run when uh, when it gets back to me because uh, it's so much fun. It is.
1: Well, here's but, the thing: if one of them did eat the other, it had to have been playing off of events that that we are going to cover here, because what happens in this story arc. Like, neither character has ever, ever, ever been able to live it down. For whatever reason, like, it's, it's just, it's almost like it, there's this, there's this expression, I don't know who the first, as a comics creator, who sort of coined this term, like, when you do something to a character that so crosses a line, like, it almost leaves them radioactive, and no matter how much you try to get them back to basics or rehabilitate them... Um, it, sometimes it can just never be done. You
2: and know? this it, is actually one of them because yeah. what we're about to get into, uh, they make jokes like, uh, Jessica Jones in one of her panels was like, I got beaten up. Like Hank used to beat up <laughs> Janet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn, pal, we're, we're shooting folks. So like, you know, and this, this was something that came out in 2000, like mid two thousands. When I read that, um, and yep. I want to get into it more, but actually, uh, to answer the zombie one, looks like Pim was actually infected by Janet Van Dyne.
1: Okay. So, well, they, uh, she was on the other foot there. Yeah. <laughs> but, and um, that's
3: what happened in what if I remember that she, I think she gets infected in the quantum realm, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and and the, she yeah, it.
1: the Disney plus series in the Disney
3: yeah. plus one. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So she comes back how, that, from it with the, the zombie virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: I just I just um, went in with um, with Hank Pym like I I got a second like eye opening I guess on how he was portrayed on What If because he was the cause of a lot of issues in in a few of those episodes so I was kind of like hmm mm-hmm. must be there yeah. must be something in the comics that has are that dri- driving this <laughs> <us> from <laughs> there's
1: a lot um, all right so I'm gonna give you the creative teams now which oh boy. Um, deep breath right so you have as uh the writer writing these uh issues that we're going to be covering Jim Shooter on issues 212 through 213 217 and 224 um he also had a scripter on issue 224 Alan Zelenitz I that's a name that I don't think I've ever said out loud um not a real prominent comics writer. Uh, Roger Stern comes in towards the end. Issues 227 through 230. Pencilers. You had Alan Cupperberg on 212. Bob Hall on 213 and 217. Mark Bright on 224. Sal B. Simmons on 227. Al Milgram 228 to 230. Mm. Uh yeah, just a parade of of, of pencilers so, there. No real so pretty stability. Pretty
0: well no names though. Some well, no names to know. Well guys. names, yeah, That's just
1: good. not a lot of stability in the art department, right? Oh. Um same deal with the anchors, you know, Dan Green 212 213 217, uh Brett Breeding coming in for 224 227 and 228, Joe Senate rounding it out 229 and 230. Letter, Janice Chang on 212 and 213, 224, Joe Rosen on 217, 227, and Jim Novak then on 228 through 230. Colors, Ben Sean, a name I've never heard, on 212, Don Warfield, another (laughs) one, 213, and then Christy Shield, 217, 224, 227 through 230. Your editor initially is going to be Jim Salicrup for 212 and 213 uh, and 217. Then Mark Grunwald, the writer of Cap Wolf, oh. is there oh. for the end here. Yeah, he would say an editor and writer it was uh, Mark Grunwald. 224, uh, 227 through 230 are going to be the issues he edits. He has a very long editorship of The Avengers does Mark Grunwald overseeing all of it? editor in chief, um, this uh, coming full circle here, Jim shooter. So the guy who primarily wrote this as the architect is also the editor in chief of the entire company uh, I, I, uh, pod, favorite Jim shooter, pod, favorite Jim shooter. We talked about him last episode on GI Joe transformers. I, I don't want us to repeat ourselves, but it's just And Sean. I think you feel the same way. It's almost impossible to talk about, a Jim Shooter story without talking about Jim Shooter, the person. Um,
0: <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts. About I
1: know he's, on. he's such a, he's just one of those very larger than life characters within his industry. Right. He's sort of a, I don't know. I almost liken him to like a, like an Eric Bischoff or WCW, like, or a, I don't know if I'd go as high as like a Ted Turner, but you know, he's one of these guys who, he has like that very outsized ego. He's very um, vocal. He was very visible at a time when that position was not a very visible position in comics. Um, but you know, brought a lot of stability at the same time. We talked about this. He came in in, in the late seventies. Um, so was like the, uh, assistant editor for the entire line starting in 76. And by 78 was the overall editor in chief, a job he would keep until 1987 when his higher ups at, at, uh, at not even at Marvel, but at the company that owned Marvel, which at the time I think was new world pictures uh, caught wind of him being burned in effigy by his subordinates at a, Uh, holiday party by the Marvel staff. So that's how well liked he was uh, by a lot of his employees, but um, remains a controversial figure in comics. Again, I don't want to repeat the whole spiel about him, but um, he was a workhorse. He did a lot of writing in addition to his editorial duties. So we'll get into that. But first, uh, here's what else was being published at the same time as these issues now because this spans such a long period of time i didn't take down everything right so i just want to give the highlights mainly again from this period um of what would have been on the newsstands some, or some your, big stuff big stuff some big some stuff. Yeah, stuff yeah yeah on your on your local spinner rack here um really again the the second half of uh of 81 through 1982 you had uh Superman and Spider-Man, which was actually the sequel to the first ever intercompany crossover mm-hmm. Superman versus the amazing Spider-Man. Um, so I'd forgotten they actually did a sequel to that, but that that came out in 81. Yep. Um, you got John Byrne. I know this is a favorite of yours, Sean, beginning his 62 issue run as writer artist on Fantastic Four. Woo-hoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. Flash, number 300, big anniversary released. Another intercompany crossover, Batman versus the Incredible Hulk. That's mm. one I haven't actually read. I need to check that out. I, I actually uh, have not read that either. Yeah. So uh, you get Defenders, number 100, anniversary for that title. Uh, another anniversary, big one, X Men, number 150. This is where mm. Magneto kind of starts his face turn right? This is where the, the Holocaust, um, reveal the, he's a Holocaust survivor. That's, that's the big reveal in that issue and yep. majorly turning the quarter corner for that character. That's by uh, Claremont and Dave Cockrum in his second run as artist on X uh, X-Men. Yep. Uh, another big debut Marvel man by Alan Moore. Um, this was in the, the u k wow. anthology series warrior um so that would this was like the who we think of as as a uh miracle man right with um mm-hmm. some really mature readers content um over the course of these stories I'll just say um it's pretty dark stuff there in the early eighties by uh Alan Moore. Justice League of America hits issue 200, uh Daredevil 181 by Frank Miller, that's sort of in the middle oh. of his, his run, Death of Electra there. Big issue. Yeah, uh you get Steve Gerber uh creating the Destroyer Duck to finance his lawsuit against Marvel Comics.
2: <laughs> <straight laughs> Our <to Howard> duck. It's
1: <laughs> a awesome. great uh, 1980s film. I know one of your favorites, I'm sure, Andy.
3: Oh, yeah, what's on the theater?
1: Very very <laughs> different from the comics. Maybe we'll do some Howard the Duck comics at some point. I have never uh, read a Howard the Duck comic, so I would welcome that. Yeah. They're zany. They're nuts. They are completely nuts. Um, I think you'd enjoy them. They're very 70s, but they're very, um, I don't know. It's almost like, it almost feels like if George Carlin, like early <laughs> 70s, uh, gotcha. It's George Carlin wrote comics or something. Anyway, the uh, the first issue of Marvel's G.I. Joe series, which we, okay. we kind of took a dip in, yes. into that point last episode. All right. So Marvel publishes its first ever limited series. So we get a few of these. We got uh, the Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions. three issues. Yes, I re- remember that. Isn't this like it's kinda of doo doo shit, right? Like it's
0: Yeah, it's with sort the of collector like, and yeah
1: the collector it's, and and uh yeah, yeah and um the Grand Master oh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians uh-huh. of the Galaxy collector. Like yeah, that guy. So yes. I there. Yep. It's sort of like is it kinda of like a response to the Olympics or something? It's almost a a world tour of of It's like characters. it's like
0: if it's like it's like the best it's like almost like Hanna Barbera. <laughs> do yeah. laugh
3: olympics oh god <laughs>
0: yeah, it's oh like, is there a yeah, it's a laugh olympics comic cuz i it, it's their version of Laugh-Olympics. Yeah, it's their version of laugh olympics yes
1: correct and it sucks um but yeah. it's kind of and fun. it sucks just like laugh olympics <laughs> it, it sucks but it's okay. fun. Yeah. Hey. It's, yes yeah <laughs> um hercules let's oh, that i'll pick a hand
3: of, of barbarian comic then next time it's my turn then fuck off
1: oh shit we got to so,
3: hey
0: what what i'll do laugh olympics with you just fyi but hey one thing I'll say about the limited series that I was very much into those two, so Contest of Champions, yeah. the Hercules one, very much got me into the character of Hercules that you were just talking about. So is I that love the, the <laughs> one?
1: Okay, so is that the one where Galactus gets drunk and takes his helmet off? Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: And then there, and there's a and then they actually do a sequel limited series a year later, which I like as well. So
1: yeah. yeah, well, I can never remember if the Galactus scene is in that or the or the sequel, but. Anyway. No, it's not in the sequel, it's in the first one. Oh my god. Um that's amazing. Yeah. Uh and finally, the Wolverine four issue limited series by Claremont and Miller. Um kind of your first ever superstar creative team pairing at a time where like, yeah, you had name creators in comics, but you didn't really Necessarily lead with that, right? But this is one where it's like Claremont, Miller, Wolverine. You're like, holy fuck, right? And it lives up to the hype. It's as good as it sort of promised to be. So, one um, of my
0: favorite, one of my favorite content. I almost chose that one over this one before I, I remember. This, yeah, yeah, I almost chose I remember that. that.
1: That's an amazing, amazing, amazing story. So, oh, trucking along here, you get the uh, Great Darkness Saga over in Legion of Superheroes. Never been much of a Legion fan or reader, but I know that's a a major storyline for them. Um, Roger Stern, who's going to round out our issues here, he at the time had a pretty well-received acclaimed run on uh, Amazing Spider-Man. So it's him and John Romita Jr., notably here, the storyline, or just two issues really, Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut. Um, Mm. Just a really standout. Uh, story during his his lengthy spider-man run over there that's an amazing spider-man 229 uh let's see oh and the last uh intercompany crossover on the list here uncanny x-men and new teen titans that's awesome that's that's probably my favorite of any intercompany crossover ever and i'm not even like a big titans fan you know but um, it's just so good. Claremont and Walt Simonson, who's an amazing superhero artist. Um, yeah. We have uh, Crisis on Earth Prime. That's a crossover between the Justice League and All Star Squadron. Uh, another storyline we've talked about, Sean, on a on a late lamented podcast that shall not be named. Vision and Scarlet Witch. Yep. <laughs> With their their original four issue limited series. Uh, primarily by bill mantlow and rick leonardi Um, which we we did cover on a late podcast yes that has been covered yes (laughs) yes (laughs) marvel not only getting in the limited series game but the graphic novel game these are probably their three oh best graphic novels and i never realized they all came out can i guess one can i guess yeah please the new mutants Yep, New Mutants was one yes, of them. Yep. Yes. That's the debut of the new, new Mutants in fact. Correct. Um not only that, God Loves Man Kills. Uh
0: Oh, just no way. Heralded yeah. it
1: as one of the all-time if not greatest X-Men stories ever. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> Death of Captain Marvel, which is huge. Um Oh my god. So, is so that I mean, he does it. Answer? Yes. It is. Marvel Mar- yeah, Marvel, Mar- the the original Captain Marvel, um, Marvel, Mar- the Creed.
0: which is briefly referenced <laughs> in this arc at the end of it. By the way, it
1: is in a yeah in a yes. weird little aside. With, and, and two God God weird love, little kills, asides.
0: God love man yeah. kills. William
1: Stryker is in that one, correct? Yes, he who, he is he is in the movies. X-Men he movies. went on to great oh, prominence in the. It, that's one of those weird situations where. Yeah they because because that that second x-men movie is a very loose people give it more credit than it really deserves honestly but yeah. Yeah. um it's a loose adaptation of god loves man kills so yeah. they do a version of the reverend striker character but he's Correct. he's a he's a government uh he's like a government agent rather than a reverend in the movies and because all of those movies are really just about Wolverine, they have to give him some kind of tie to Wolverine yeah so that all of a sudden makes this makes Stryker this incredibly important character in the X-Men film franchise that he, he never was in the comics I mean that's it's not the only story he appears in but for years and years that was it was kind of one and done for him he he does come back much later, but those are in more recent. Um, X Men comics, but uh, yeah, he's not similar at all, really, to the Striker from the movies.
0: But uh, eighty-two big,
1: eighty-two big year, year eighty-two. The last note I have for Marvel is they are launching their creator-owned Epic Comics imprint. So this was
3: in Star. response
1: to a, a lot of yes, Dreadstar. Yep, I was wondering <laughs> if you had yep. any favorites from that. Dreadstar, uh, yep. A lot, of, a lot of creators were uh, bailing DC um, Marvel.
0: Was Swords to... of the Swatchbucklers part of that too? I want to say, maybe? I think that was one of their titles.
1: I'm that not sure. sounds like one of them. I am not an authority. I, I need to read more epics. I, I am not um, well-versed in a lot of that stuff other than recognizing the titles, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just in response to just Creators who were leaving to do their own, um, you know, self-published type stuff in the 80s because it was a pretty lucrative field and, and again, allowed them to retain the rights to their own creations. This work-for-hire shit was getting old. You know, they're tired of making money for somebody else uh, for all these years, slaving away. So uh, this was sort of a response to that, said, hey, stick with us here at Marvel, sign a contract with us, and you'll, you'll have an opportunity to still... Own your own work here through Epic, through that imprint. So early, early foray into creator owned stuff under a Marvel banner. And yep. uh, finally, on the list, again, on the creator owned front, uh, the Hernandez brothers, uh, the very, very acclaimed and, you know, a lot of, I guess, art circles, uh, Love and Rockets um, by wow. Graphics. It's a long running. Anthology series first published uh in nineteen eighty two. That's how far back that goes. I've never read any of that, but I know that it has a very, very devoted um cult audience. And it's I mean, critically acclaimed, award winning, um, kind of slice of life type comics. So, wow. Um great stuff. Did you have anything I didn't mention there, Sean? I think
0: No, I you I mean when you really listen, the, the graphic novels, like the biggest thing I remember back from what you said, the graphic novels, the treasuries, the limited series, those at all and the fact that those all came out that year, that was a, a year, man. This. Yeah, that really that takes me back. That
1: really takes me back. Wow. Good stuff. All right. So now let's get into it here. The trial of Yellow Jacket proper.
0: We're going <laughs> to sink our teeth into this
1: one, folks. Um <laughs> I'm going to start off by saying that as of, you know, 1981, 1982 in Marvel comics, Hank Pym was a boring character. Um, there were a lot of attempts to like revitalize him. He started out as Ant-Man in the sixties. He had his sidekick, the Wasp. They had a little feature and in, in Tales to astonish, which was a then anthology book for Marvel, uh, Eventually, he joins and is a found, he and the Wasp are founding members of the Avengers in 1963. Um, he then adopts a new identity as Giant Man because shrinking kind of sucks as a power, I guess. Giant Man becomes Goliath. Goliath becomes Yellowjacket. So they're trying all these gimmicks just to kind of get this guy over and give him something. Because, let's face it, <laughs> when you've got <laughs> Hank Pym... I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> because he was going through the gimmicks. It reminds me of Brutus Beefcake. I was gonna say he's
3: like Glenn Jacobs. There, <laughs>
1: he really. I mean, yeah, he really is. He's like a wrestler trying to trying to settle on an identity and and just nothing really stuck. It's a shit gimmick after shit gimmick. Shit gimmick after shit gimmick. By the yellow way, I jacket. Think
0: yellow, I think yellow jacket's pretty badass though. I, I was gonna was say the that's shit. the
1: one that that finally took. They they seem to finally get it right. It's his most long I, running. I think up to that I, point. Alder I think it's the costume, though.
0: The yellow, the yellow jacket costume kind of makes it for It's me, pretty I slick. I don't know. It's pretty yeah, slick. It. I like it.
1: Yeah. And it yeah. gets him away from the size changing gimmick, which, I mean, you know, Wasp is already doing that. So what do you really get with. And plus, it had been sort of passed on to other characters at this point. Like, there's already, like, a, you know, a legacy Ant Man running around. You get Scott Lang, um, taking over as Ant Man. And you get, um, who was it? Bill Foster uh, became the new Goliath, who was like a research yeah. scientist, worked with Hank Pym. So he had plenty of size-changing characters. You know, it's not that spectacular of a power. So problem, though, with Hank is he's, at best, on a team like the Avengers, the third or fourth smartest guy in the room, right? When you've got Tony Stark, and you've and got... Tim's- yeah
2: this is something that I hate that Marvel does where um because you see it with Amadeus Cho uh later uh-huh. where, where I'm reading he's like he's the sixth smartest man in the universe it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, get the fuck out of here. Like, It's a weird pecking order, right? You know, and they're yeah. like, Mr. Fantastic's number one. Tony Stark mm-hmm. is number t-. It's like, really, like... Well it's, well,
0: it's like the Illuminati, right? They're like, it's like, they got this whole pecking order of smart people that
1: they have. The smartest like, guys, yeah, yeah, who are just the the decision makers and the major playmakers of the Marvel Universe. I mean, there is some appeal to that, but again, when the when the list starts at at Reed Richards, and it's kind of a substantial drop down to, I don't know, depending on the day, Tony Stark or um, Bruce Banner. Then maybe, maybe Hank, unless unless Beast is on the team, then you've got competition with uh, Hank McCoy when he's actually in scientist mode. And it's just like, there's just too many of these scientist characters, right? It just they need something else to differentiate them. And all of these other characters do with the exception of Hank. And it's like, what are we supposed to do with this guy? He's a, he's a founding Avenger. Like he should be really important and really popular, but he just sucks. He's a drag to write. And I, I think that's what Jim Shooter's attitude coming into this was. I don't think that, Shooter necessarily set out to assassinate the character. I don't think he put a hit on Hank Pym. I'll put it that way. Um, I think he was just trying to find a hook for this guy and realized that when you peeled back some of these layers, you could explore maybe there's like an inf- inferiority complex here. And maybe he would be even more effective not as a hero, but as a villain. And I think that because uh, Claremont and Byrne had sort of hinted around doing that with Jean Grey through the Dark Phoenix saga, and then ultimately backed off from that in the process of of killing, killing off Jean Grey, I think Shooter felt like they chickened out. I think he felt like they didn't commit to turning a a hero who'd been one of the forebearers of the Marvel universe into a villain. that would have been a ballsy move. And I think he would have been supportive of it. Certainly you'd had, you've had villains reform and become heroes. Why couldn't you have a hero become a villain? And I think maybe, maybe long-term that was the direction shooter wanted to establish for this guy. Now, it kind of goes off the rails early on real so, quick. Yeah. And I don't know whether I believe, <laughs> and I want to get you guys, uh, recollect just accounts. just your take on this too. Cause there's different, different accounts of, of what exactly happened here. So in our first issue, um, yellow jacket and wasp are basically returning to the team. It's a really good jumping on point for this series. And that, issue Mm -hmm. 212 right Mm -hmm. um a really small core group of avengers tigra is there for some reason (laughs) um yeah that one i
0: never really understood why (laughs) why
1: is she here well she's only
2: there for like one episode yeah yeah jarvis the whole time Mm -hmm. but it's like
1: what's the what like but what's like the peg that doesn't fit here (laughs)
2: like Like, she's just so random. yeah
1: just yeah and i think Maybe shooter like wanted to get rid of her pretty quick. I don't know like how much of her he really wrote. Again, I'm not super well versed in Bronze Age into early 80s Avengers, yeah. right?
0: And that's one problem in doing it the way we did. Like she just up and disappears, and I don't she know. What just up to dip- her, so she just and and go that's it, gonna yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. that, and that's gonna happen. And when you're reading this many issues at a time of a team book, especially, right? Yeah, I don't think we lose any important. No, story sure. elements, but we do lose some characters along the way, but they aren't impor- important in the first place, so it's fine well, that characters come and go. But we gain better ones. So. We gain better ones by the yeah. end of this, yeah. yeah. So Tigra is a, a ridiculous character. She's a cat lady who... um, A horny cat. Acts, lady. <laughs> yeah, a horny cat lady, so she kind of <laughs> acts like a cat, but at the same time, it's like, is she just putting this on, or is she... Does she have some weird animal instincts? It's just, it's, I don't know. It's it's very bizarre and kind of creepy, the way that she's written. And, and um, poor, she's poor, a, poor Jarvis. Like, poor, Jarvis, Jarvis. poor Jarvis gets harassed extensively yes. Yes. by, by yes. Tigres. God. Um, and we'll just say, I mean, this is a good place to say. Jim Shooter, I think, is a good plotter. I think he's got a solid grasp of... Just storytelling foundations. Hell, he'd been doing it since he was fucking 14 years old, writing Legion uh, Legion comics and Superboy comics for DC. Um, it's insane the amount of comics he wrote when he was a minor child. And I have to imagine that violated some kind of child labor laws, but how do you account for it? You know, especially back then um, when, when your job is, writing comics as a as a teenager right it's not like it's hard labor but um you know he'd been at this for a while he had a knack for solid storytelling pretty good plotting his dialogue though could be pretty ropey um (laughs) and i i don't know that that's just a product uh, a byproduct of 80s comics were just like this or if it's just you know, he, he didn't have a great ear for dialogue, but that's something that I think took some getting used to, right? Just the roughness of some of the some of the dialogue here in these these early issues, especially scripted by Shooter. Would you guys agree?
0: Uh, well, I think like in the chat, like one of the things that took me back immediately is Jan- they, Janet likes the word lover, and yes. she doesn't refer to her as a husband or a man. It's like hey lover, and hey lover. Yeah. I have an aunt and uncle that refer to each other that way and it, it grosses me out because like they <laughs> they live in like the 50s so like every time they say the word lover I I, I
1: they live I, in the
0: 50s yeah I feel like that's like a term like people from the 50s say it so when I read it I yeah. cringe, I cringe when I see it like I cringe reading it I don't know
3: it might be well, but it
0: might be reflective of the times I think you're right again
1: maybe it wasn't that out of place in 1981
0: maybe not maybe um, not but I never recall my just, parents saying the word lover to each other I don't know yeah <laughs> hey, me neither. Yeah. My
1: uh, my mom and my stepdad refer to each other as mom and dad. Which yes. Is, That's weird.
2: Yeah. The it, well, they the have old. no
1: children yeah. together, which is strange. But no,
2: um, they have your brother.
1: They didn't have him together. He he uh he came along <laughs> uh, before my mom was in the picture.
0: I <laughs> goddamn goddamn
3: <laughs> Oh, the I'm the non
1: biological yes, the uh, the non human brother. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Was his, just, it his
3: made me think of that, of that live sketch with Will Ferrell in the jacuzzi. You know, whenever I hear the word lava,
1: I, 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 yeah. I hate that word so much. I don't know. It's, it just it it does just, make your skin crawl a little it bit. It does. It's gross. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, the, these characters are returning to the team. The team is kind of getting settled. And um, we have these really lame stock characters uh, Gorn and Linnea, who are. These like time displaced barbarians or something, and they in they just Virginia, fell out of like, by the
2: way.
0: yes, in yes, Virginia.
1: in Northern Virginia, Shenandoah Mountains. Probably, I can relate. Have you have you run across these guys, or they are they part well, of your, your I social mean, circle? Cer- certainly
0: not one of them anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I seem I like we've seen this in other things though, where you get these out of place or out of time visitors that. Like yeah. act the way they're so what? they they think they're supposed to act and they come off as like villains like, and they're
0: just... but it's so random like they just show up it like is. Just it has like, nothing like, to do just just with here. anything yes yeah, yeah, they're no it just, didn't. they're just it, here like
1: they're here <laughs> like I
0: don't know, what why are they you, are because they
1: are they are complete ciphers they're just a means to an end they don't matter at all it's just to get us to the point where Hank Yellowjacket fucks up he makes a big mistake. In the heat of battle, um, as the battle is actually winding down, uh, he attacks uh, an opponent, this Linnea, who's like this kind of overpowered. These two characters felt, just felt like they fell out of a like a sword and sorcery um, fantasy, kind of like Conan or something like that. Right. Um, and they just happen to show up in Avengers, which fine, whatever.
3: Like and a monster of the week on Buffy or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Linnea is this like super overpowered sorceress type, and uh, she is she's sort of powering down. She's she's a uh, uh, surrendering essentially, and uh, Hank like blasts her in the back, right? Yeah, I mean, Which I was shocked. Gets her going again. <laughs> um, so he, you know, uh, foul on the court there, Hank. Also, um,
2: uh, Captain America, pretty corny, right?
1: Oh yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely have, have down here, like unlike most writers, I think shooter, he really does write cap as like a crusty old man um, in a way that just, I don't know. He, he like really seizes on that out of time aspect to him where he's this old army guy from the forties, but you know, hasn't really adjusted yet, but I mean at the same he just exudes a lot of dad energy. Like you can feel you feel like this cap wants to wants to throw on some some white New Balance sneakers and go out there and cut the grass. Like this is this is cap in super dad mode um or even granddad mode. Um but he does have the requisite nobility and humanity that you want from Cap. Like he he approaches this, you know, this grief-stricken woman, Linnea, who's out of control with her power her raging powers and he you know he's he's very compassionate towards her rather than than violent and uh you know that little bit of kindness goes a long way until until yellow jacket steps in and fucks it all up um i did feel like maybe we needed more of a build to this moment here with i mean it's like his first mission back and already he's he's like making rookie mistakes you know um
0: and, dude, and also forget
1: the dude gets killed <laughs> yeah like well <laughs> and then yeah, shit just, just goes away and she just goes away exactly so <laughs> it's
0: like what, what the fuck you never yeah, see her gorn, again yeah,
1: gorn the love interest of of lenae look these characters so don't matter but he he <laughs> just gets killed yeah in the course of this story that's what leads to her rampage but um he so doesn't matter. Like the Avengers don't even really care about that. They weren't even really involved in that. Right. So it was just like, all right, we need to, you know, we need to calm this lady down, find out what the hell is going on here. Cause I mean, there is, there, there is kind of thrown by this as we are as the readers, you know, um, not something they're ex, you know, expecting to deal with. Um, and I, I don't know if, I mean, does this character ever come back? I, I, I have no idea. This may have been a one and done just again to get us.
2: Ironically over. one and done just like yellowjacketed in the Avengers.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he comes back. This is his first mission after an extended period away and he and he screws up royally um, so badly, in fact, that the Avengers are going to court martial him. Um, so I don't know. Do we feel like this 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 offense is so bad that he's going to get dragged in front of his you know his friends his his colleagues and we're going to do this whole trial by peer thing according to Avengers bylaw is this something that did that track for you guys is all right does does the punishment here really fit the crime
2: to be honest no, Captain America kind of came off as corny like I said earlier yeah, and it yeah just you know to
0: what yeah, I was gonna sorry I'm sorry Scott. I was gonna say I was gonna say if what he had done had maliciously led to the death of what's his name, Gorn? Like if he had done something that had led to the death of that guy, then I could have seen it being a bigger issue to then it would have made more sense to me. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I just felt like this was all a bit abrupt for shooter to, to bring back these two characters in the course of one issue and then be like, all right. He's out on his ass. <laughs> We're going to drag him out for this court-martial because he he's yeah. screwed up. It just, it felt like there could have been more of an escalation there. It felt like there could have been, I don't know, a better reason for it than these just made-up-on-the-fly stupid sword and sorcery characters. Yes. Um, but the mechanics of how we get here are largely unimportant. That's not and what Jim this, Shooter is interested in.
0: And the other thing I would say is leading up to this whole thing, Hank's just been a miserable prick and he's been an asshole to Jan the whole time leading up. To
1: yeah, we yeah. need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, Hank, his character um, has been, to put it lightly, extremely unlikable. Um, just really surly, really dismissive towards his wife. Um, verbally abusive, I would say, before we even get to the real heavy part of this uh he just is a is a massive massive prick mm-hmm. again this is the guy played by michael douglas in the mcu it's i mean this had to be shocking to if anyone like again is, is coming into this and their version of the character is is really colored by the mcu i mean andy what did you make of hank Pym <laughs> and comics here As compared contrasted with your experience with this guy.
3: Yeah, well he's you know, not as much as a focal point in the movies as 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 Scott Lang is, right? And Sure. He yeah. he was kind of, he's kinda of like a little um smart alecky, you know, mm-hmm. has some really great lines and and doesn't come off as as anything like he does in the comics. In the comics, he's you know, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> Maybe <Major, laughs> so. Well, you know, a lot of them have flaws in these flaws.
1: comics, at least.
3: Yeah. Well, he's also
0: not seventy years old either in the yeah. comics,
1: right? He, he's not seventy years old, but as as we're going to establish, he is older than yeah. a, a lot of his teammates. Um, and I think that does kind of matter. But um,
3: think yeah, they he held is him a to a guy. higher standard, so that maybe because of his infractions, you know, he has a little less leeway because of of he's a founding member and
1: right yeah that's a good point
3: maybe maybe you know they he should he should set a better example example, yeah he should you know this is hank pym for crying out loud he he did this that the other thing and he should be you know not uh doing acting this way and saying example for the less seasoned avengers i guess so to speak right cuz you don't want him going if we let him go get away with this you know who knows what could happen with the next time an avenger gets out of line right
1: okay yeah i follow you um so he he sucks he he's the <laughs> biggest douche like that you've ever read in comics basically like I, and again i i don't know that that how jarring that might have been for for readers up to this point, like if he'd been reading Avengers from the sixties through the seventies, uh, you know, was yellow jacket was Hank Pym, anyone's favorite character at this point. I, I don't know. I'm sure st- statistically he had to be someone's, but well, he also had a uh, mental breakdown at some point along the way. He, he had did. several mental yeah. breakdowns yeah. Yeah. Several mental way. break. Yeah, yes. Several yes. mental breakdowns, yes. which will be recounted throughout the course of this, this saga as well. Yeah. Um, So he's stressing over this court-martial, right? He's going to get dragged down on the carpet in front of his peers, and he has this... um, He's he's cooked up this secret evil plan, basically. And uh, that plan... This is insane. So he's going to build... a a doomsday robot which he has done (laughs) in the past it's called ultron and it became one of the avengers yeah he already uh,
2: fucked this up once it's like oh but
1: this is is such a great plan though he already (laughs) accidentally created a (laughs) genocidal robot one of the most evil villains in the entirety of marvel universe um so having not learned that lesson i guess he's going to build another one uh but this one is going to be fully under his control in fact uh only he will, will have the key to, to shutting this thing down. So he's going to concoct this whole uh, fake conflict in, in the in the middle of his uh, court martial. This thing is going to come rampaging in there, um, kick all the Avengers asses, and then he's going to save the day because, you know unbeknownst to anyone else he's the only one who who uh knows the the robot's weak spot to shut it
3: down right so 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 he's basically syndrome from the incredibles
1: exactly Yep. i'm glad you picked up on that yeah so that that had to be borrowed from this story i feel like lifted from that story really so uh yeah steal from the best right um now, Jan- Janet, his wa- the Wasp, uh, catches on, on to what he's doing here. Catches him in the lab. He's looking very haggard. Um, and he kind of spills the beans. And um, she's like, oh, Hank, oh, lover. And she wants to stop him, right? She wants to both comfort him to go to him and console him, but also stop him from doing this. And then a fit of rage, Hank... Slaps her, backhands her across the face, sends her flying. In a just infamous panel. If if you've seen no other scenes of Yellow Jacket from the comics, you've probably seen this panel. Sorry. Um, I will from this point forward refer to this as the slap, uh, because I don't know what around else to call it. The world. Yeah, the slap that is that is heard round the comics world. There's a lot of um. Background, it, it just a, a lot of um, lore that that feeds into this. So Jim Shooter insists that the way he scripted the slap on the on the page was for it to be unintentional. That that uh, Hank is, is having this this violent outburst. He he doesn't even realize where that Jan is as close to him as she is in proximity. And he's just like wildly waving his arms and he accidentally hits her just in like this fit of mania um, while she's trying to calm him down. Total accident, right? He doesn't deliberately smack her across the face as is depicted here. And I'm not laughing because domestic violence is funny. I'm laughing over the absurdity of of how this was apparently intended to be depicted and how it actually comes across because it's really night and day so the artist on this issue bob hall he says um that yeah jim did script it like that he wasn't it wasn't meant to be a, a deliberate um just blatant act of violence It was supposed to be an accident um, but that he personally was not a good enough artist to display like the subtlety that this scene really called for. Like he just kept at it and he kept at it and he couldn't get it right. He made multiple passes at it. Um, So he just kind of settled instead for, you know what I can draw is just really bombastic Marvel style action. So I'll just do this really over the top scene where he hits her. Um, So I don't know if I buy that. (laughs) Like I sort of, I don't know. Like, I've never been a comics artist. I don't know about you guys, but I just, I feel like if, if you're a good enough artist to hit these deadlines month after month, you know how to convey subtlety and you know how to convey basic body language. Maybe it's not your best effort, but at the end of the day, like you're trying to just, you know, get it off to the printers. Um, I, I get that, you know, the, deadline is is looming and that's gonna every minute that passes like that pressure is ratcheting up and you're going kind of stir crazy trying to get this one scene right and you're obsessing over it right you're getting in your own head and sort of spiraling i i know that feeling but i just given that like it's the difference between i won't put my best effort forward here or fuck it i'll just change the plot completely and have this character this founding member of the avengers backhand his wife in a fit of rage <laughs> just send that off right like how did he think that was going to fly and yet it does shooter does approve it again we got to keep in mind he's not only the writer he's the editor in chief he could have he could have said what what is this i didn't script this redraw it or given it to anyone to redraw right and the and the you know, Marvel bullpen. So, what do you guys think? Are are these guys full of shit when they say they didn't intend for it to come across this way? Are they trying to save face?
2: They're trying to of save the reaction.
1: Face. So, you think it was written fully with the intent of Hank slaps his wife? That's what that's what Shooter wrote. That's what Bob Hall drew. And then they tried to backpedal.
2: It's, yeah, because in the next couple pages you see that she has a black eye. Correct. Yeah. So that's that, like that's, that's it right point. there. If that's they didn't guy. if they weren't, they were there would be nothing but you know, I know we're getting ahead of our, ourselves, but when they come in for no. the trial
1: uh, fully yeah.
2: When they come in for the trial, she she has like it's like a fucking lifetime movie. She it is.
1: Uh, yep.
2: She has like the Jackie Onassis glasses. <laughs> and um
1: mm-hmm.
2: And then she takes it off, like for dramatic effect. So if they didn't want it to be that bad, they just would have left it at that, or they would have like had more breadcrumbs. It would have been
1: like, yeah, they it, they would have moved on from it and, and acted like it was an accident, even though readers would have been like, well, what the hell? He just knocked the shit out of her. But they would have, they would have not portrayed the aftermath that way, right? But yeah, the fact is, like you said, Jan's reaction to being struck is not of someone who was hit accidentally. Um, it's, you know, it, it turns into, as you said, a, a like a very clear abuse situation. Not only that, the, the lead up to this,
2: he was verbally abusive the whole
1: time. He was already yes. like on this. Yeah. Walking this fine line. So it's not like this just came out of nowhere. Um, so if it was not intentional, Boy, does it feel awfully coincidental that it fits right like a glove here based on the story that was taking place immediately preceding it and immediately after it, you know? So, I, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I, I think, I think Shooter's trying to like have his cake and eat it too, where he's like, eh, yeah, maybe, maybe I overstepped here, but I didn't mean for it to go that far, even though he really did, right? <laughs> I just, I don't know what he has to gain by sticking to that story today. Like there's, there's not been the, I don't know, the the tell all shoot interview that reveals, yeah, we meant it to come out this way all along. Right. But uh, you know, I don't know for whatever reason they've been. Yeah.
0: There's zero. I mean, just right. Like, Zero the way doubt. that happened, the way he's been an asshole, the black eye—there's zero doubt what they were trying to get across. Here. Yeah. There's no doubt <laughs> in my mind. I think Andy, you
1: probably think the same thing, right? I mean, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, no, it was it was painted that way. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, the only thing that gives me pause is the fact that they have been Shooter and, and Bob Hall have both been very consistent in their their recollections. Like they haven't change their story over the years and it just feels like okay. at this point they'd be like eh, you got me <laughs> hey <laughs> Tim,
0: what i will say okay so think about how this spans it's from 2 12 to 2 30 yeah i think yeah. they might i think they might have had second thoughts as they got to 230 to that sure. end game but sure. i think when they wrote it initially they had no qualms about what they were doing i think they realized they fucked up as they got into it later on that's what i think.
1: I, I do too yeah because yeah. gotta keep in mind the slap Happens in just our second issue here. Correct. Yeah. So very early on, um, Hank had been acting like the biggest dickhead in the world. Again, already verbally, emotionally abusive. Doesn't seem like that much of a leap for him to do what he does here. As detestable as it is, the writing is is you know pretty, and the characterization is pretty consistent with the path that he had been on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. We're pretty much four for four and thinking these guys are full of shit when they say <laughs> they did not mean it to come out that way. I just, I, I think that's so. And Jim Shooter hates women. I think
0: we, I think we discovered. Well,
1: that that. <laughs> well, there's a lot care, of instances.
0: There's a lot of instances in this arc that shows he does. I'm just saying that's. How I, I think I he has
1: some issues for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's also sort of telling that he doesn't even. He's not even the writer who ends up finishing this story, right? He ends up handing it off to another, I think, ultimately better writer, correct? Who gets a lot more out of this at the end of the day. I mean, look, this is great melodrama, I think that Shooter is giving us, but is it, you know, great storytelling? Is it is it right for the characters? Does it um does it really add to or or subtract from the possibilities and the ways that you can use these characters and tell stories with them. Um, I think it's pretty reductive at the end of the day, what, what shooter has done unless again, his sort of end game was to turn Hank into a villain. I think you can do something with that, but he's never really said anything to the effect of that's where I was going with this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he knew exactly where he was going Um, other than I'm trying to find anything to make this character more interesting to the readership and more interesting to me uh, as the author to write. Um, so I'm maybe giving him too much credit when I say perhaps he was headed down, um, this idea of, of turning Hank into a villain. Like that's pure speculation on my part. Yeah. But anyway, um, the fact is, you know, Hank Pym is is a Stanley Jack Kirby original. He dates to 1962, a pillar of the Marvel universe. So this is a big deal what they've done here. Like, I don't think people think of Hank, think of Yellow Jacket as like a major character today, but at the time, I mean, he really was. Um, so again, that uh, it, all the more reason why. He, Shooter and Hall have have this you know, motive here to obscure the truth behind behind their intent here. Um, they're really like playing with fire here. And these you know, th- these are people's favorite toys in the toy box, right? You can't you can't just bang them together like this and break them and move on. You know, this is this is crazy. What's happening? Um, but in the end, you know, you get some pretty good. I think moments for Jan who had been depicted as kind of just an extension of Hank, kind of like this, I don't know. Again, you say, Sean, that uh, Jim Shooter hates women. Um, He (laughs) he does not write her as a strong character for the better part of this story until that court-martial scene where she really does step up to reclaim her agency. She basically confronts her abuser, confronts, and combats this toxic masculinity and he she basically is is punching Hank in the dick by proxy the way she she beats this uh robot this rampaging robot during the court yeah. martial
0: yeah and he basically has a whole meltdown well, why did it have to be you like he has this whole little like crying mm-hmm. fit about how she's the one that stopped it and just totally cucked them <laughs> yeah. What
2: yeah. Did. yeah, he's such a bitch. Like, he's he just really like, is. A total it's bitch. bad. It's, it's like it's, go yeah. away, like, you know, to steal a wrestling term, it's like go away heat or like the X Pac heat or whatever. Like, it's just like I want this man to go away. And, you know, Tim, I can bring it up now. Or we can talk about it towards the end. Um, By all screw it. I'm gonna do it now. Th- yeah. This reason is the, him smacking her is the reason why he, we're, he's not the um, main Ant Man.
1: I kind of re- in, re- in, with that. In,
2: in my yeah. opinion, because we would have new, hopefully new readers. I don't know if that's happened. Obviously, go back and look, and it's like, oh, who's Hank Pym? Oh, he's smacking his wife,
1: and he's, he's supposed this to guy be guy with this crazy amount of baggage. Yeah, yeah,
2: supposed to be our hero. And
1: I I disagree, but I'll tell But
0: I'll get to that later.
2: And I honestly think I said it at the start of this uh, pod; it was a character assassination and he hasn't even recovered to this day, and it's been 40 years now? 40, 40 yeah. plus
1: years? Yeah, so the problem with this is, and I think that by the end of this story, steps have been taken to kind of rehabilitate him, but it's but it's in a way that is ultimately packing off the character. It's saying, you can't really be a hero anymore, but you don't have to be um this this villain or or just a disgraced avenger you can gain a measure of grace here and ride off into the sunset but that's going to be it for you right that that's sort of where they they leave things at the end of this not to get ahead of ourselves but it doesn't matter um and when we do see hank again later on it's not as a superhero it's more as a civilian scientist supporting character to i guess really the avengers west coast right correct um, yeah and you get some good material out of that i feel like um that acknowledges where he had come from and that sort of had, had, had acknowledged how far he had come i should say excuse me um But then for some reason, like once you get into the 90s, every writer, once you get into like the 90s and the 2000s, every writer who comes along decides, I'm going to do the Hank Pym redemption story. And you can't do that without constantly reminding readers that he battered his wife, right? That he's, he's a spousal abuser, um, when really like we have kind of, I don't want to say moved on from that, but we've, we've moved on from that. Like we've already told this story of like his rise and fall and rise again, but for some, it's like every, every new writer wants to put their stamp on this character and it's, it's just, nobody seems to get that. No, we, we're done with this. We can really move on from it, but we can't because this is the only thing that stands out in your mind when you think of this character is him slapping his wife. It's, it, I mean, even somebody like, again, I mentioned the Dark Phoenix saga. Jean Grey has come back from, as Dark Phoenix, annihilating an entire star system with, like, billions of, of anonymous asparagus people who <laughs> were depicted as dire, dying in just this, you know, fiery scene of, of hell, and it was terrible, right? But they managed to kind of walk her back from that because people wanted to tell new and different stories with Jean Grey. I mean, I know the Phoenix comes back around over and over, but it's crazy that something like that doesn't stick to a character. We're talking the death of billions versus something which is much more personal and much more intimate.
2: It's because we didn't know those characters, but we know Janet.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is yes, we know Janet, and this is also something that happens in real life, right? We don't, we don't have uh, uh, rampaging cosmic entities destroying millions of stars. To our knowledge, maybe we do, but that doesn't affect our day-to-day lives the way that something like spousal abuse does, you know. Um. See, so yeah, I think there's multi there's there's many reasons why he can't ever live this down. Um and I think attitudes towards abusers also, right? Like once somebody hits their wife, um, it's like all the, and I know we're, we're dealing with some very sensitive subject matter here. Um, they can get all the therapy in the world, but in the back of your mind, like that carries a stigma, right? Whether it should or shouldn't, that's kind of what people think of. Um, um, And certainly in the 80s, where this is becoming much, much more of an issue in probably contemporary American life, right? Um, You can't do this and get away with it. Not anymore. And uh, yeah, it's it's heavy stuff here for um, what is supposed to be a kid's comic still, basically. But uh, that leads us to (laughs) issue 217, which... The cover is all but declaring this as a very special episode. Um, <laughs>
3: That's a good way to put it. And I don't know it.
1: why, because it's yeah. not. I mean, compared to what we've just been through, it's it's kind of pales in comparison, right? It's
0: but the. But I would say the next one is the very special episode after this. It one. is
1: well, yeah, yeah. the very yeah. bizarre episode, yeah. right? Yeah. So in two seventeen, basically, we we have this heist situation where Hank, who's who's already, um, you know, been drummed out of the Avengers now. Uh, been totally emasculated before his peers. Again, I metaphorically punched in the dick by his, his now ex-wife. It's just very telling to me that the weak spot on the robot was like right between its legs. I don't know. I'm just saying, (laughs) I don't think that was by accident that Jim Shooter wrote it that way. Um, Anyway, he's down on his luck to say the least and gets roped into the scheme by his old villain egghead, Um, oh,
0: like okay, so can we really like shit on the yeah. choice for this we big can arc?
1: <laughs> really shit on Egghead,
0: but yeah, uh, wow.
3: I like the Batman villain one day. Well, that's
0: what I was saying. Like, I was about to say was, yeah. to me, I'm like that.
3: Don't look like no Vincent Price. <laughs> I
0: mean, they could have really like if, like for this something like is important in this arc. You really thought they could come up with something better than Egghead? I'm just saying. I mean, anyway, go ahead, I'm Sorry.
1: Well, I, I mean, I get the desire to pull somebody from. Hank's own history, his own... Which he had, uh, an actual rogues gallery, back in the pages of of Tales to Astonish. They are the most laughable collection of villains. I think any character, any prominent character, they are absurd characters, right? Yeah. Egghead is kind of, I don't know, the the best of the worst, maybe. Uh, But he completely sucks. He sucks, but he has... This, this, you know, personal history with Hank Pym. So we're going to bring him back. So he kind of gets a major rub out of this. Honestly, this former, (laughs) this former Ant-Man villain now getting called up to the big leagues in Avengers comics. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the rest of this story is going to pivot on Egghead and his, his, you know, scheming, um, which is, it's very like, it, it just feels very silver age. Right. It feels to me like um, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor, like in the first two Superman films, right? Where it's he's it's kind of this I don't know it's just very corny. Um, this whole heist he's going to pull off by um, kind of suckering in, and he's suckering in Hank and his own uh, niece. Trish who he's controlling <laughs> remotely through a that,
3: that was ridiculous. artificial
1: <laughs> arm. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Sorry. That's some. Here.
1: That's some inventive like that storytelling. Idle hands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like he gives her this fancy robot arm and then turns out, ha ha. This was my scheme all along. Um, I do think it's funny though. Shooter actually does take some care to give us a plausible rationale. Why, uh, Trisha's robot arm managed to pass inspection by, by Pym, you know, like, Oh, well, I, I was able to manipulate it remotely. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with it when, when you, uh, when you checked it out, because he'd look stupid, right. For not, for not examining this thing first, you know? So it, it, it's trying to, you know, paint Hank is not a total sucker here. But still, it's, it's a very goofy sort of scheme. Um, and yeah, we are basically going to be stealing what the, the adamantium reserves, the adamantium resin from the Strategic Air Command here in the mountains. Uh, and this is so that Egghead can build awesome robots. Again, we're back to building robots um, that he's going to use to take over the world. Uh, so of course, Hank is going to summon the Avengers to the scene here. Tigra is gone at this point. So we're down to a a smaller, even smaller team now. And, uh, he, he's going to try to tell them, you know, Hey, this is egghead. I'm not, you know, this is not me. I'm not out. I'm not, um, out of control here. I haven't lost my mind. um, but Ag-Had's like, no, look, I'm gonna kill this girl if you don't take down the Avengers. I'm gonna I'm gonna detonate the arm remotely, I'm gonna blow her up. Oh my god. So then we get the great fight scene between Yellow Jacket and all of the Avengers, which um this strained credibility for me because uh maybe, maybe he could get lucky against I don't know if he jumps, you know, Cap and Wasp, but what's he gonna do to Iron Man? What's he gonna do to Thor? He like drop kicks Thor. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is silly. This is foolish. Uh, but he makes a pretty good showing. Um, ultimately that is for naught. Uh, egghead was, was uh, basically leading him along. He, he, he didn't have any secret evil plan to, to kill this girl. He just kind of dips out and leaves her leaves Trish with the post hypnotic suggestion, I guess. Somehow that he is now programmed into her brain that this was Hank's secret evil scheme all along. So it sends him to prison. I don't know. I I will say I thought this was clever in the sense that I, I'm actually going to give Egghead some credit here, you guys. Can you believe it? Um, that Egghead made sure that no matter how this situation turned out, he won either way. Even if he didn't walk away with with the adamantium reserve, so he can make his fucking robots, at least he took down his old enemy Hank Pym. You know, I mean, this is a real win for Egghead over, over his 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 greatest rival, I guess, intellectually and and on the battlefield. Well,
0: well Hank's kind
1: of an idiot. So, <laughs> well, That's I mean, he, he is. He's only isn't, the
2: he was... seventh smartest person in the world.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, He's only the seventh smart yeah. in the room. Um But this was a I, I think that this this story was maybe trying to to put some sympathy heat on Hank after everything he'd been through. It's like But
0: this still right. doesn't change the fact that he smacked his wife.
1: Exactly. It, I
0: want it everything bad to happen to you and you only. But I feel like yeah. this is where they said, okay. I don't know how far out they plotted what they were going to do. So, this is what, four issues after this happened, right? So, right. They, yeah. So, they, they realized.
1: Third issue we read, but it's, it's four issues so, after so the slap. Yeah.
0: Are they far enough ahead to, to realize they screwed up by the time they wrote this? And so this is kind of where they're going to turn to try to turn the corner, you think, Tim?
1: I think maybe. I think okay. the idea was we're going to give Hank a little cooling off period. And the next time we check in with him. Um, we're going to have him be not Because he's homeless,
0: no money. He's like, I'm down on his luck.
1: And... He he looks pitiful, right? The Avengers
0: can't track him down. They don't know where he's at. They're like trying to make him look like this big sympathy victim. But the dude still smacked his fucking wife four issues ago. So I feel like here is where they're trying to make us forget all about that and make us, hey, let's feel sorry for this guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's like now they've decided... Um, OK, Hank got to this point through his own actions, which he is still yet to take responsibility for. However, what happens in this one issue, you know, this whole heist with the, the adamantium and whatnot there, he is now a victim of circumstance. So are we now supposed to feel bad for him? Is that supposed to cancel out his earlier misdeeds? I, I don't know how we're supposed to what our takeaway is supposed to be here. Um, and where it goes next, I'm still like, again, I I think maybe this is where Shooter, like you said, is is starting to lose the plot. You know, he's got maybe too many plates spinning. He's got too much going on, given the fact that he's also editor in chief. And it's just, you know, he's keep, he keeps going back to this, but he doesn't know where to end it. Um, anyway, that, that was sort of my take on, which I kind of liked this issue again. Just, I think there's as much as there is some, you know, early eighties goofiness to it. Um, I think it kind of holds up pretty well structurally in a weird way. So I was maybe a little bit of a sucker for this issue, even though it has massive problems just in terms of, um, Hank still hasn't taken accountability, but Um, shooters spin on it here where it's like now um, it's almost daring us to sympathize with this guy, you know? And that's, I don't know. I feel like that takes some balls. (laughs) Um, I I will, I will say that much. Uh, It's not really that effective, but he goes for it. Um, All right. And now we get to Sean, your favorite of the bunch here with, uh, Wow! Oh my goodness. Um, so, again, this is a, a not the next issue, right? We're we're taking another little break here. It's like
0: seven it's, seven issues. We're jumping like seven issues, eight issues ahead. This is
1: nuts. Yeah. So we were so we are at two seventeen now. Fast forward to two twenty four. Um, Hank is in prison uh, <laughs> because of the events of this this whole heist that that he has been framed for which he has been framed. He This was not his fault. The Wasp is, you know, I guess their divorce has been finalized. She has moved on. She's trying to move on anyway. Tony Stark, meanwhile, is trying to move in. Um, And this is basically just a romance comic. I don't know. <laughs> There's no, like... And Shooter doesn't script it, by the way. This is the one issue that is scripted by Alan... Zelane it's again I don't know if I'm saying that name right. and I'm like I almost took a step back and had to ask is this a pseudonym for Jim Shooter like who is this guy right mm. who I, I like I had seen the name and I was like is this just Shooter trying to again get some of the heat off of him um, but I, I don't think so having looked into again Mike's world Mike's amazing world of comics which is an amazing website you can look up creator credits and this guy does have some some issues to his name. It's like primarily fill ins across a lot of Marvel books, but uh he also has um kind of a lengthy run on Call the Conqueror of all things. So now we're back to Swords and Sorcery. Wish um, he would have been Cold <laughs> 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 Sir he was the writer of the 20 issue Alien Legion. That's an epic. Ah, that uh, is an epic. Yes, yes it epic is. Epic series, which I've never read and I'm kind of curious what that is like. Um But yeah, it's stuff like Conan, it's stuff like call the conqueror Thor. Looks like he did a good bit of work with Moon Knight of all characters. So Man. he's got some stuff out there, but <laughs> this was his okay. This issue was Alan Zelenitz's fourth credited story ever uh,
0: so, and, it's one of, and it's probably his best piece of work ever tim
1: <laughs> i i mean look look we talk about the dialogue suffering in, in earlier installments i think maybe he's got more of a knack for dialogue maybe this is i don't know if this guy was was jim shooter's uh neighbor or or maybe lawn guy or what but uh <laughs> maybe shooter said why don't you take a crack at this i don't really have time to to write the script and my does he turn in quite the again romance drama okay tim Um, Tim,
0: let me just start off like i gotta say uh something so this this is the first avengers comic book i had ever read yes ever and immediately it starts off with the avengers in this battle and Literally, Janet's got all this confidence now, right? Like, she's like, she put it on this facade of confidence. And literally, it's t- it's stark as Iron Man in this battle looking at Janet and go, I just noticed how great Janet looks. Like, yep. this is like him saying, like, <laughs> and he just takes notice that she looks all radiant and hot all of a sudden. And he's like, hmm. I'd hit and then, that. well, yeah, he goes, oh, Basically, you know, I would hit yes. that. And then randomly he finds out about this party. Janet's gonna be at later along with all these socialites, and he goes, Whoa, oh, why not? And then it goes from there. Like it's like it's insane. Like he just goes to this party, and then randomly Janet's like, Oh, Mr. Stark, benefit mm-hmm. you the benefit the beneficiator or whatever of the Avengers, how would you like to dance with me? They dance on the floor, and then they go back to her place, they kiss on her front steps, and then this grand romance and people magazine this guy with a pen mm-hmm. but by the way was that Spider? was that peter parker
1: um yeah i think there were a few like kind of weird cameos yeah. in the for some reason
2: prince charles and diana were at yeah. the gala <laughs> hitting on Yes. James van dine uh prince charles but, was but the guy with the pen the, the picture pen i think that was peter parker for the daily oh, I don't bugle know. took the yeah. picture
0: of them together <laughs> Right. Then they ended up in People Magazine, and then they had this whole. And so they started this whole romance. We meanwhile, Tony knows that Janet is Hank's ex-wife, but she doesn't know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. So that's the whole thing of this whole comic, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. So, So various Avengers outside the
3: party took a picture with a picture pen. Inside the party, he quite the alliteration.
1: Yes. Picture pen.
3: Yeah. Parker,
0: Parker took a picture with the picture pin. Yes, Andy, sorry. Very, oh, I, I like gotta contribute I
3: something here.
0: Andy, Andy, that was amazing. That was very good. Very yeah. good. <laughs> Peter Parker picture pin. Yes.
1: <laughs> now I really do want that to be Peter Parker, just just so that that is.
3: <laughs> I almost thought it was. I thought it. I thought it was.
1: I. It might be. Yeah. I. I don't know. Um, I mean,
3: I have it up. It. It could be.
1: Does he say yeah, for the it's...
3: Daily Bugle? No, he just says, Holy cow, that's Jan Van Dyne with Tony Stark. My pen camera pics of those two arm-in-arm arm, are sure to grab me page one of tomorrow's Daily Bugle.
0: There you go. I think it's Peter Parker. Okay. He has that Peter Parker 80s look. A
1: Spider-Man is what he's Peter Parker. It does, sort of, yeah. Um, I don't know. I have written down in my notes, it's crazy to think that any child of the 80s would have been interested in this comic.
0: Okay, so I don't know why I was. Okay. Uh it, it hooked me. For some reason, I don't I don't know why it hooked me. It did. And I think it was the last image of the comic that got me. It's like it hit me that this guy, Iron Man, who's this big hero, and again I knew who Iron Man was, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. this big hero freaking railed his best friend's wife. Why he's in jail, and that last image of Hank Pym behind bars to close the issue, that was just so, like, the image just captured me. Like, what he had done to to his friend, why his best friend's in prison, God, Iron Man's like the biggest heel in this fucking whole, like, series. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Mm -hmm. it's just something hit me, I don't know why, and at a young age it hit me really hard, I don't know why, I can't explain it.
1: Do you think it spoke to like an, an early love of of soap opera and just kind of
0: okay? It might be because my pair, my mom, you know, Tim, that's a really great analogy because my mom yeah. watched a soap story opera. Or my mom, no, my mom watched General Hospital a lot. All right, there so, you go. So she, so every day after I come home from school or whatever, she be watching General Hospital, and I sit there and watch it with her. So. It could have been some of that soap opera stuff maybe a little bit, possibly, because the Avengers from this point on, it was one big soap opera because every story interconnected at some point or another moving forward from here
1: for me. Yes. And I mean, this is this is interesting to me because it's a um, it's like we're again, we're just kind of checking in on this saga that's been. Taking place, um, it's sort of moved into the margins by this point. But now we're going to put a new spin on it and say, while Hank is in prison, this is how his ex-wife is is getting on with her life, and we basically document this love story in its entirety from its inception to its to its end over the course of one single issue. Um, you know, it's like various other Avengers do know that. Iron Man is Tony Stark, but she is not one of them. So it's so, Captain
0: America and Thor,
1: right? I think they're the Captain only... America and Thor. No, yeah, yeah. The, and I think of this roster, they are the only ones who who know. Correct. Um, and and she does not. Uh, I don't so, think they
3: knew in Cap Wolf, if I can remember. Right? Did we read, um, there was something we read? And I was like, oh, nobody knows who he is. Well, um,
1: well, Iron Man was not in.
3: He wasn't in that. I remember boy. seeing it somewhere. Maybe it was the beginning of this. I don't know. I'm confused.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it was a different Thor by that. So, I mean, you know, you also have to keep it take into account all the various times that um, these heroes have maybe gone public with their identities and then said, no, I'm going to use a mind erasing device to make everybody forget that. <laughs> so I don't think that's happened uh, too many times, if at all, at this point in Marvel comics. But, but that is a thing that, that happens sometimes. Um, but anyway, so it's kind of skeevy because unbeknownst to Janet, she is, she is dating one of her ex-husband's best friends. Um, but I also think just on the level of, she doesn't know his identity. She doesn't know this is someone she works with, whether or not he does have a relationship with Hank. He, it's a power dynamic, right? It's, it's, he has, Information that she doesn't, and and he's withholding it. And in the context of a relationship, that's kind of gross, right? That's not cool. So, even if you take the friendship with the ex-husband element out of the equation, it's still not a good look. Yeah, and they, and they insinuate they have sex, obviously. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're getting and, it on. And definitely.
0: Then, and then it gets to a point where when Cap sees the magazines, Cap goes. Cap cuts quite the promo on him, which is he awesome. sure does. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: So Cap takes Tony to task to the point he basically shows up at at Tony's, you know, brownstone in the in the city. <laughs> Tony's not home because he's off romancing Janet, and Cap, you know, we don't see this, but you have to imagine all panel cast going. I'll wait. Yeah, <laughs> he sits down <laughs> and he sits his ass down for the next six hours. Long into the night until Tony gets home and says, listen, motherfucker. Was <laughs> he forced up <laughs> so waiting
3: on the bench for his kid? What the hell?
1: No, <laughs> this is this is Cap. And again, this is Cap in dad mood, right? I Telling love it I, like lo- I love that.
0: Now, that also caught me. I love this because I, I, another thing that captured me about this episode was Cap. This is what a hero does. Like he totally just fucking ripped his buddy and said, you know what? How the fuck yep. you do
1: this, you motherfucker? And I, I fucking love that. That was great. I will say it's it's a little bit, and this is very telling of the time period. Also, it's not so much. It's not framed as how can you do this to Jan, right? It's how can, how can you, you, do you do this, this to, to Hank, Hank. exactly? To our great friend Hank, who's in jail, who's in prison for treason. For well, all by the know, way, punched her in the face and gave her a black her. yes. Yes, yes. It's 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 now still still everything is about these Avengers, these former teammates bending over backwards to protect their friend who's a scumbag. Um, but it, it reads like some real sort of it's thin so blue awesome. line shit, right? It
0: it, it well, momentarily it, made me forget that he was a wife abuser, by the way, because yeah, that yes. freaking last panel with him behind the bars, it hit home and it made you forget almost that. Like, if you didn't know it, like, if you had read way back in 213 that he had punched her in the face, here in 224, you almost would have forgotten that because of what Tony did to him. And that's how they yeah. that, they controlled the narrative of that really, really well in this, by the way.
2: Well, I, I honestly thought it was going to make him more of a villain. Like, this would well, be, like, more of and, his villain origin More story. motivation. And, more yeah, motivation,
0: and, it would, right? and it would have totally made it more motivating because he looked like he was super pissed in that panel at the end, right? So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I, he knows yeah. he knows who Tony he knows who Iron Man is, right? It's just, um, yeah. So he he gets what's going on here. Um, so I, I don't know though, but it's 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 screwy because everything's still about Hank. Hank's feelings, Hank's pain, <laughs> Hank's fragility, <laughs> his fragile masculinity, <laughs> his yeah. no real acknowledgement of his accountability. Right? We're still it, not getting that, it, and that's. It, that's hey, Tim, I'm
0: curious. So now that this issue, coming into this issue, this was like the big shocker issue that I thought was pretty cool. So I'm curious what Schiff thought and then what Andy thought reading this issue about Tony yeah, plot. It's a really change of pace. What did
1: you, yeah, yeah. you guys make of this? Change of pace. Schiff, what?
2: I mean. Like, I, I kind of enjoyed it because it got away from the usual trappings. And it yep. was very – you know, like you said, soap opera, but I'm a wrestling fan, which, you know, they said for years, wrestling was a male soap opera. Um, So I was okay with it. I did like the People magazine, uh, how they were on the cover of that because it made it feel more real instead of like, we're in this other world. They're like, oh, it's just like us, like, you know, with Princess Di and Charles, which Charles is pretty fugly. Look at his kids. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah I, I did like how like it made it feel like a real real world uh situation there and it made it feel like we weren't in like another universe like this was ours.
3: So that's I was okay with
1: it. it a, a yeah, it brought it down shape. to Earth a lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean Andy I was just, I was fine with it. I mean I thought it <sighs> you know it made it, 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 it Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no,
1: I, I'll, I'll, I can ask this later. I, what's your take on it?
3: It, it just, I wasn't shocked based on how you know Tony Stark is portrayed early on in the MCU. Kind of like I, I would expect something like that maybe before, you know, his near death experience, right? With uh, mm-hmm. before he becomes Iron Man, like that Tony Stark, you know, would would nail his best friend's girl kind of thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah
3: So I wasn't surprised by it Did I expect it? I I, I don't know I mean, Janet's all over the place <laughs> <laughs> this thing.
1: She sort of is Which I, I'm a little sort of forgiving of Because she's sort of like in the process of Finding herself through the course of this too Which, by the way, she's now like the Avengers chairperson. Right? yeah Right. yeah which is a a gimmick with the avengers where periodically they they have their little meetings and they decide um to vote on on a chairperson and it's a it's supposed to be a rotating position but whoever has the job can basically say i'd like to keep the job if you all still have confidence in me and they all say aye or nay and you know occasionally that leads to conflict and disagreements but in the early days of the Avengers, it was everybody was like, "Okay, I'll lead this mission, then it'll go to the next person, then the next." And it's only been, you know, kind of um, within this later era of Avengers where they have more longtime, full-time leaders, which uh, Janet is now stepping into that role um, because she's again she's she's trying to get past you know her her relationship with Hank and say you know who am i as, as not just a, a an avenger as, as a superhero but you know as a person who's not just um chained you know chained to to my husband which she had been for much of her existence and um again this is where i think we get some some good material if, if anything like this is a nice nice way to I shouldn't say a nice way to I mean, she gets slapped in the face and that's never a great way to, um, you know, boost a character, boost their prominence. But I think she comes out of this um, better for it than, than anybody really. Yeah. Um. But, but we'll kind of get,
3: yeah, I think I we'll make all these, there. these other movie references. It could be, it could be called how Janet got her groove back. She's like behaving like a divorce. Yeah. like Out there living yeah. her life. And, Mm -hmm. And and you know, just being being strong and and doing things that she wouldn't have done had her nothing happened between her and Hank, right? Would she have become Lear Avengers? Have you she would have become, you know, this tabloid, so to speak, figure. No, she would have just been, you know, it's 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 Hank Pym's wife Janet, kind of thing. So she got out from underneath his shadow in this in this arc.
0: The the last thing I would say about this issue is when Tony finally feels guilty and gives the great reveal and she acts all shocked. But like literally the end of it is basically her saying, well, you go on without me tonight. These heels are hurting my feet. And that's kind of the end of the relationship.
1: That's it. They're done. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, It's kind of like a anticlimactic ending to the relationship. It's kind of weird. I don't know.
1: Well, it's, she doesn't want to give him the satisfaction of, of seeing the extent to which he's really hurt her. I know. Yeah. A lot of this is about her putting up walls and and not letting yeah. even well-intentioned people in because look what happens when when she does show vulnerability she is literally abused for it. Um so it's her just being like nope, I'm he's never going to see me cry. I'm the Leader, I'm basically his boss in the Avengers. The last thing he's gonna do is, is make me cry, so he can go. He can go fuck himself. Basically. I would have
0: really liked to see, like I, like I guess I would like to see a little more play out because, I mean, yeah. kind of what he did yeah. was a lot more dickish, and the forgiveness factor of that probably should have played out a little bit.
1: Very think, underhanded.
0: I, yeah, yeah, it, I was really underhanded, and I don't think there was enough. There wasn't enough skin on the bone in terms of her reaction to that. I think for me, so right, right, yeah. Yeah. Maybe more story
1: to be told there. Yeah,
0: I would think so. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a one issue, one done, one and done kind of scenario at that point, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I will say for Tony's part, you do throughout the course of just the, you know, the, the, um, the thought bubbles, which are, you know, so prominent in this era, you see his conflict. Like he knows that, that this is wrong, that he needs to tell her. He starts to tell her at various points. <laughs> and no, it'll be like, what the he, hell am I doing? Just say it, and he no. won't do it.
0: You know what he was doing? He was thinking with his wrong head. What's uh, like yeah. been
1: doing that situation? So, yep, yep, yep. But um, anyway, we um, so so after that <laughs> little diversion, we're in the home stretch now. Okay, yep. so we're coming in now, issue two twenty-seven. We're going to do two twenty-seven through two thirty, so four issues here. Roger Stern has now taken over as... So, Jim Shooter is out. Uh, He's still the editor-in-chief, but he's no longer plotting or scripting the Avengers. It's all Roger Stern, who is a very, very capable writer. Um, He's going to have a long run uh, on this series. Again, he's done... He's Previous to this, he's done Spider-Man. He's he's kind of been all over the Marvel Universe. Um, It's... (laughs) I will just say it's it's very telling to me that a new writer comes in and takes the first four issues of his own run to essentially clean up somebody else's mess. Um, I that's dedication to me, right? Because because you want to hit the ground running, you know, you want to make an impact, you want to make a statement when you're coming in as as you know the new hotness here. And what does he do? He divert he devotes his first four issues, which is That's four months of storytelling in comics. That's not insignificant to getting past all of this crap, right? And to trying to to salvage this into a workable story and a, a true character arc, which I think he kind of succeeds in. I'll just go ahead and say, remarkably enough, I think where we end up at the end of this, you can look at it from end to end and go, that was a character arc, right? However many diversions it took to get there, it all kind of makes sense and feels consistent in the end, right? Even with this this change in, in writers here, and uh, at this point, you know the team roster has has changed a little bit more. Uh, we've got She Hulk; she's new to the Avengers, um, and we have Hawkeye, who is newly-
2: they run through these like Avenger people. Like Tony Stark, like Andy said Was banging randos in Iron Man 1 and 2
0: like,
1: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ
0: Yeah, but She-Hawk and, But they're here for a while so
1: Yeah, they are going to be here Well, yeah, Hawkeye Maybe not quite as much He's well, going to go off to, what, Avengers West Coast I Well, think.
0: what's really great about this Hawkeye run Is this, like, whole arc for Hawkeye Leads to his first limited series Which is also one of my all-time favorites by the way, so I
1: have a question. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad yeah. that, and this is a, a good segue. I feel like because yeah. I know you're a big Hawkeye fan.
0: I um, am. Yes.
1: When I was doing the Marvel Age podcast way back in the day, we're reading uh, Marvel comics from the beginning, from the 60s. Yeah. I remember my initial exposures to Hawkeye were not positive. Like the whole, he, the
0: whole carnival thing, and when he's a bad well, guy the, with swords. The carnival men. thing, and yeah,
1: yeah. But even when he reforms and becomes a hero, he's like as unlikable of a character as Hank Pym in our well, first issue of this. He's like a uh, sexist pig. He is, he is. He's the biggest asshole. He really is an asshole. He is. And he's still an asshole. He's here. still in the an a- asshole. Ass. And I'm like, I thought maybe he had gotten past that at this point. But it still feels like that's not as bad as 60s Hawkeye, but still... So he's the showed, so is this yeah, where he so, starts to turn around, yes,
0: a hundred percent, because as you see this arc play out as we get to the final kind of how it plays out what happens with him and Egghead and Hank, and what he does yeah. in the final kind of deal, you kind of see like this guy's a real hero, and he's a stand up guy, and which leads to his whole mini series where he's kind of a sexist pig in that, but then he ends up at the end with Mocky Bird and that whole, like, thing. Right. So, yeah, this is kind of
1: like. And she kind of like, humbles him, right? Yeah, so it's kind of that. like
0: his whole redemption arc starts kind of here a little bit, which I kind of like. Like, it's his whole character development. Yeah.
1: Like here. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. By the end of this, it almost turns into a Hawkeye story. Um,
0: exactly. So that's kind of, again, this is where I really started reading Avengers. So my love for Hawkeye really started here, Tim.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I had. I was like, man, Hawkeye still really sucks at this point. But at, by the end, yes. it's, it's sort of like he's feeling a little bit like more of the Hawkeye that I recognize, again, from the so, 90s. And So, 2000s. what you're
0: getting for me in this arc isn't just because of this crazy arc, but you're also starting to see some of my love for some of the people that I love as comic characters started with this arc, like Hawkeye being one of them. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, I know I talk about how I, I really dislike MCU Hawkeye because he's not at all like comics Hawkeye. Well, I would take MCU Hawkeye over the again the the first few yes, appearances correct. of Hawkeye. Towards, he is absolutely the an
0: unlikable prick, and what he does to Jane, he does to poor she hawk when she
1: oh man, he's yeah. such a cocksucker to her later on. He really is. Yep. Yes, yep. he is for sure. Um. Shift, were you kind of taken aback by this this characterization of Hawkeye at, at this point? Again, compared to
2: what, what I really used to, yeah, like him being like so sexist was like, I mean, I know it's the '80s, but goddamn, like, yeah, he was even worse than most... It, it's just like, you know, you know, I'm not trying to like how people like try to go back and like say, oh, this was bad at uh, bad now you got to think of a different mindset back then, but this felt like it was like a sixties comic, like a madman or something like the way he mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. talking to her. It's like women should be, you know, but it was not the same. And, um, you know, it's not even like the first time I saw Hawkman in my run, because this is when he had been killed, uh, with Avengers disassembled was when he right. was asked by, uh, Tony Stark to be captain America. And like, he was basically like, fuck you, Tony, but, uh, right, but it was, uh, it's a complete like uh, 180 from 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 that, and I was just like, I was like damn Hawk." I, at first, I thought like he wanted to bang she hawk or something, and I was like, "That's why he's being a dick."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He was nagging her, but um, that obviously was not the case,
1: <laughs> right? Uh, Andy, you're probably more used to you know MCU Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner Hawkeye. This is a far cry from that, is it not?
3: Yeah, quite. So I mean, he comes in kind of, you know, kind of a douche, basically. And I was like, yeah, maybe I don't know because it's the costume, maybe that I'm like, oh, this is a different Hawkeye. Right? I'm, 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 a, I'm, yeah, I'm the love, costume. I is, love is the something. costume.
1: Yeah. Love the costume. It's it's very striking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this issue also serves as as the intro, not the first appearance of. Monica Rambeau as Captain Marvel, but I think it's just like her second appearance because she appearance
0: did... after the Spider-Man
1: annual. Yeah. The the Spider-Man annual. So she is now an Avengers trainee. Um you know, not to get off on a whole thing, but um I'm just going to say uh if Captain Marvel as presented here, if this if this exact same comic <laughs> was published today um as written Captain Marvel would be considered an OP, Mary Sue, forced diversity, woke character, right? It would be that whole bullshit argument, right? But, oh, because there, there are no politics in comics until fucking 2015, according to these people. Like, she gets a pass. You know, Let just me tell such you a...
0: something. I thought, at the time, listen, to put someone brand new... Into mm-hmm. the Avengers, even as... An, and I like the way they put him as an Avengers trainee, trainee. right? Uh-huh. And her... like that, that Spider-Man annual, I read. I was reading Spider-Man at the time, and her debut was a big deal at the time. Yeah. But I think from a debut character, I think she's really well-written and really well-placed. And I think she's really... I think they did a really good job for a character debut. I liked her, Tim. A lot. I like
1: her. I No, I, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of this character. I just... I just had to point out the hypocrisy and, and just how disingenuous that stupid sure. argument is every time it's used today. And it's like, this has always been the case in comics. There's always well, new characters. Well, that's always, what I love
2: about when you know, they're like, there's, they're forcing forcing politics and comics. Like, did you fucking ever read the X-Men, you morons? <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. so but, like, right,
0: just, but for Andy and Shift, for you guys, again, here's another character that was you guys have seen in the MCU universe that was basically debuted. Here you go. In this arc, right here.
3: I mean, I, I did we really see her as
0: right her character? I mean,
3: no, but you but but you
0: but go. you will in the Marvels. Well, oh,
3: yeah, know. I'm I'm familiar with her a little bit now.
0: But you will see her in the Marvels, but she won't be Captain Marvel. She be well. I think she's going to be Photon. I think is what her name will be
3: That's in that. Probably, yeah. They'll probably
1: yeah. use yeah. But well, it's interesting because her connection here is not to Carol Danvers in the comics. She she doesn't even have a relationship with the, the late original captain Marvell. It's just, she gained these powers and it's what she was actually like a police captain, New Orleans, New Orleans police captain, New Orleans police captain. And that's why she's a legitimate captain. And it's like, well, you know, he's dead. Um, you've got these spectacular powers, uh, Eh, the world needs a Captain Marvel, right? So you <laughs> I mean, the it's
0: kind of stupid. Maybe yeah, i was kind of dumb, but yeah. I
1: mean, it is. But but not at the same time. And really, it's you know, Marvel wants to retain the the IP, the, yes. the trademark, right, <laughs> to, to this this name, Captain Marvel. But it's like you know, sure, um, it's not in use right now. So here you go. But in the in the MCU, it's because she does have this connection to, again, not Marvel, but Carol. Who is not Miss Marvel, but Captain Marvel in the MCU? So it's it's interesting, just the the way that they've kind of reconfigured that um, for the MCU. But I, I am looking forward to see what they do with her. I, I've always really, because I have read a good bit of this Avengers run, which she is a a prominent uh, member throughout, um, and I, I've always just really enjoyed her character. I agree, she's very well written and comes across as extremely likable, which imagine you introduce a new character and you want them to be likable. Of course you do. Right. It just, it it kills me the, the way that people like will climb trees to, (laughs) to find negative things to say when they feel like there's some (laughs) agenda being put forth when really it's, this is just storytelling folks. This is how it goes. This is how it works. Yep. Um, anyway, we are, uh, going to get this like, I don't know, interesting trip down memory lane now with, uh, with Hank while he's, uh, in prison, he's, he's being, uh, visited by the, the, uh, he thinks is just a prison psychiatrist, I guess, really. It's, uh, a guy who's been hired by Tony to determine, is he even competent to stand trial? Because Tony feels so guilty still about. You know what he's done with Jan and Hank's situation that he's he's trying to give him a lot of legal aid essentially while he is in prison. That unbeknownst to um, Hank, this is all being funded by by Tony Stark. Right, but
0: in the meantime, we have still forgotten that he punched his wife in the face.
1: We still have not <laughs> reckoned with the fact that he punches his wife with, in the face. Although that is going to come up in a very it, interesting. It, it way. Does. It does.
0: It does for sure. It does. Yes.
1: And so he he is basically um, recalling his origin through a series of flashbacks and just his early adventures to this psychiatrist. This is very interesting to me because we've gotten to this place where we've, we've basically broken the character, right? And now... Uh, Roger Stern, as the new writer, has come in and has decided, I I think I'm going to try to salvage this character or or at least get him to a good place, even if I'm not going to include him anymore as a member of the Avengers. So he is... I think Roger Stern is using the techniques of deconstructionist storytelling in in superhero comics, which was not a thing yet, right? That whole watchman approach of, of let's take this this team this character this concept let's hold it up to a microscope um and just dissect it bit by bit break it down see how it holds up to scrutiny or not um we've kind of already done that so he's using those same techniques to to rebuild this guy which i don't think is something that had really been done a whole lot and at least early eighties <laughs> mainstream superhero contact comics. So over the course of this, you know, we, we get, um, you know, Hank's own version of his, his life story, I guess. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's real is a,
2: he's like, what wow was me
1: a little bit, a little bit, but at the same time, um, you can tell that, This is this is uh, Roger Stern's way of, of trying to declutter and make sense of a lot of just the nonsense in this character's history, like trying to smooth over some some inconsistencies by providing character based rationalizations for the things that just did not really add up whether that's that's due to poor writing in the past or just aging really badly because these were sixties comics. Um, But he stopped short of doing a, a flat out retcon, which so he, you know, this is not Roger Stern saying, Hey, this thing, this thing that you think you know about the character never happened. Here's what happened instead. Like he's still owning the facts of this character's existence, but sort of reframing them, recontextualizing them. And I just, I think that's a very interesting approach. The only other time I can think of around this same period I, that I saw that done, and Sean, maybe you remember, it was, I keep going back to fucking X-Men and, and Dark Phoenix, but the issue after the death of Phoenix, where it's her funeral, right? Um, and it's basically just, Cyclops reflecting on their relationship and their history and by extension, the history of the Mm X-Men, um, it sort of does the same thing that I, that I think this whole sequence does where it's like, uh, Hey, we're going to streamline. We're going to simplify a lot of things. We're going to distill, um, and and really debulk a lot of the crap, a lot of the baggage here. Um, make it presentable and accessible for newer readers um, and maybe have some new information revealed. So, well, I know for one, like they did this whole thing about Hank, like
0: he had a wife before Janet, like he had a wife
1: before Janet and they acknowledge how fucked up that, that like it was this, this woman who um, gets killed and that's what sort of motivates him to, uh, throw himself into into his research mm-hmm. and ultimately become a superhero. And then when he meets Jan, she looks very similar to this mm-hmm. first wife, and yet she is significantly younger. That's where we...
2: Yeah, it's real it's really, creepy. It's like some... Yeah, um... it,
1: it flags up that Hank is like this older... He's You get the impression he's like probably... For, like maybe twice her age, right? I, I felt it was like say. forty and
2: twenty, but it felt like he kind of yeah. gripped
1: her. Like that's the vibe I got. And if you yeah. read,
0: if you've ever read the original, like the first issue of the original Avengers, you kind of got that vibe right away. By the way,
1: yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, and so, and it's sort of like, ooh, and and even the psychiatrist is kind of like, you didn't really like this some red flags here, mm-hmm. um and so, and I think it's also very telling that Hank's history at this point is so messed up that his creation of Ultron just barely qualifies as a footnote in this whole Mm -hmm. sock. Right. Um, but understandably he acknowledges that, that, that adds to his insecurities. So, so we're getting like a lot of psychology one Oh one here through the, the superhero storytelling. Um, I have written down a quote, um, so what ultimately leads Hank to marrying Janet is when he is uh, exposed to this gas that <laughs> causes him to um, enter like this fugue state. This is one of his many nervous breakdowns, right? And over the course of this, this is how he um, develops the, the hot, the uh, yellow jacket alter ego that started out as kind of like a split personality sort of deal. It, wasn't that you know over the course of a few issues but that's how this whole thing started and it was played at the time as Janet taking advantage of that because Hank had cold feet and wouldn't marry her mm-hmm. but yellow jacket yeah yellow jacket was so much more assertive and he's like of course I'll marry this hot broad kind of thing and all Hank can say about this um in his own defense so to speak uh, which it's not, he says, I guess even some psychotic episodes can be beneficial.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Great.
1: So even though his second marriage uh, was born out of a psychotic break, he, he sees it ultimately as a good thing. Um, and then towards the end, like we're, we're seeing like there are scenes depicting all of these, these things that he's talking about via flashback with the exception of one and that's the slap right it's very it's towards the end it's like a oh and by the way i also hit her can you believe that Mm -hmm. and we we don't see it again because they know we better not show this because it's going to all come flooding back to people just what a shithead he was and how terrible and personal and um deeply unforgivable this is so we're not going to show it but we will have him actually acknowledge it which is something he hasn't done in many, 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 many issues. No issues, in fact, up to this point. So it's kind of the first building block towards. All right, he's it, at least he can say that it happened and that he did it, um, and he regrets it. Where are we going to go from here? So, I think in a lot of ways this this first issue by Roger Stern is a, is a turning point. I don't know did. Did you guys make of that what I did where it's like they they tell us, but they take care not to show it, you know, and that's just in contrast to the rest of this.
2: It, it felt like like you can definitely tell a new writer had taken over because they're like, oh, we got to get this guy on track. We kind the old writer kind of fucked him up, um, <laughs> yeah. but the damage was done. Like, there's no coming back Like, It would have been an OK villain story. What they should have done. I know Sean's going to hate me for this. They should have done the Hal Jordan route where, mm. you know, Hal goes crazy after Coast City is destroyed and
1: literally almost, almost as
2: a possession I mean, gimmick. Yeah, that, I mean. Is that when
0: he becomes Parallax or whatever the fuck? Yeah, he, uh-huh, that's, that's uh-huh. when it becomes
2: Parallax. And then they write him off by, like, him he sacrificed himself in, in a story and then he came back as the Spectre and worked his way back up to, you know, becoming Hal Jordan again through comics ways. Um, and I can't, it, it's a lot. We, we've, we probably went pretty long tonight, but um, it, they should have did something like that. Just put him on the back burner because doing this and like still bringing it to the forefront, it's best just to forget it. But if they just would have like, Hey, you know, Hanks, Hanks in like, you know, Turks and Caicos helping kids or some bullshit and just write <laughs> him off there. Like, you know, just just be done with him. And don't try to do this retcon to be like, well, she sort of took advantage of him when he had this mental break and forced him to marry because dude still <laughs> seems pretty fucking creepy when he's, you know... I'm not saying you can't fall in love with your 40 and she's 20, but it seems like you're
1: but, but, yeah, it, it reads very badly, especially in light of his later... Beha- his subsequent behavior here that, that we know about. Um, I just... I don't know, I, I think it's, um, you can read between the lines and see how this is selectively emphasizing certain things but de-emphasizing others. It's like, a again, the, the guy's already been taken apart. The action figure is in pieces, right? And this is, rather than a, a deconstruction of, of the character, it, it's almost like a, a reconstruction at a time when these conversations weren't even really happening in comics and these narrative techniques weren't even really being employed. It, it just feels like an early example of where comics are going to be going, um, especially by the late eighties. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought this was a, a low key, like you wouldn't think so on, on the surface, but kind of an influential issue in it's in its own way. And This is, again, 227. So wrapping things up with 228 through 230, um, I mean, this is more – those issues are more like kind of standard superheroics, more of what you would expect from Avengers comics. You know, we're going to now have the actual (laughs) – finally, we're getting to the literal trial of Hank Pym – Um, so he is before he, he takes the stand in his own defense, uh, egghead strikes with his, his team of the masters of evil. Now, I don't know which incarnation of masters of evil. This is, they've, they've been through a lot of rosters. Now they're being led by egghead and it's, you got guys like, uh, tiger shark and, and shocker. Uh, Moonstone is in there, founding member of the Thunderbolts, uh, along with the Beetle as well. So I kind of marked out seeing them. So Tim, isn't this first
0: like inter- Isn't this an iteration of the Masters of Evil that plays yeah, out? Yeah, they're literally
1: yeah. referred to yeah as yeah. The Masters of Evil. yep. yep. Okay, yeah. Which is, I mean, a very cor- a very corny name, but yep. they are longtime Avengers villains. So yeah, I imagine them. You know, seeing any version of them would have been a big deal to readers. It's like, oh, shit, they're back, right? Under Egghead. (laughs) Under Egghead. So this will be a a short-lived version of of the team, uh, mercifully. Uh, So they're going to whisk Hank away, and here's where it gets a bit ropey, because they're going to try to manipulate him into joining their ranks, and it's basically Hank pulling a Tony Stark on them, right? Where Tony... Tony's supposed to be building weapons for, for the enemies that have taken him hostage. And he ends up building a weapon for himself, AKA Iron Man's origin. Um, but this is, this is Hank doing the same thing and he turns the table on them and, you know, he he becomes, you know, the, the hero that, that I guess he, he never thought that he could be right. Um, has these guys on the ropes. Um, we do get like, a decent little fight with the Avengers um, She-Hulk kind of gets her shit rocked uh, Radioactive man, right? Joins them <laughs> And he hits her with a gamma burst Turns her back into Poor pitiful old Jen Walters And uh, that's where we get, like you said, Sean The scene of, of Hawkeye um, Kind of Well, first he does
0: the th- th- thought bubble Where it's like Wow, she's really a weak woman.
1: Like, yeah, it's a thought,
0: it's a it, thought it, bubble. It's, it's like so really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad.
1: Yeah. Really bad. Very judgmental. Very, again, misogynistic. Um, yeah,
2: because Hawkeye never
0: fucked up, right?
1: The, right.
0: <laughs> mean, no, but it's yeah, but I it's mean, like the thought that he's thinking it. Yeah, like he doesn't say it out loud, but he's thinking about, like, he's just, what a weak woman. I'd rather have her be She Hawk than this, like, piece of shit. Like, it's like really wrong. Like, how. Because he had a
1: lot of very um shitty attitudes. That were directed towards her, again, not out loud, but in thought bubbles. Yeah. She was Seahawk. He's like, awful. I don't know how I feel about, you know, all these broads on the team now, kind of thing. And it's just like, Jesus.
3: Yeah. Um, Who let the women but, in here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly.
1: That's how he's And,
3: and Y'all here. glanced over, too, like uh, Reed Richards and Sue Stormshaw for like two pages. So yeah, like, okay, like lunch, lunch at yes, Tavern on the uh, Green. Tavern
1: on the Green, yes. They have lunch <laughs> with Saina, which. Yeah, that scene was a little weird too, where it was, uh, you know, they're catching up with their old friend, and they're so worried about her, and they're like, "Oh, it's Jan, like they, why don't they you?" They got just...
3: put in there just to get put in, like, like how the Muppets are trying to sweet, squeeze the sweet chef in every movie, you know?
1: It's just a very Marvel thing. It's it's just yeah. their way of of reminding <laughs> you, hey, they, this is hey, they're after. here. <laughs> yeah, they they just, and again, it. Um, it doesn't really serve anything here other than to remind us that uh, Janet is this, you know, impenetrable fortress still. Um, but what do they expect? I mean, what do they want her to do? Shit. Like, get over it. Um, she's doing her best here. But anyway, they, you know, this whole thing ends with uh, the the conflict with uh, She-Hulk. She's stuck in her human form. She can't transform back which she prefers by the way being she-hulk that's how this character is depicted this is her early days Um, she had a a solo series in fact prior to joining the avengers it went for about 25 issues and then they stuck her in the avengers so um she very much prefers uh being she-hulk and so this is this is hell for her hawkeye snaps her out of that with some tough love right (laughs) basically berates her into getting mad and turning back into She-Hawk, which
0: Yeah, and a, and a little tiny Jen Walters smacks him a few times and then the next panel you see him fly through the door. Yeah, yeah you I, see him go I, flying. I did like that. Flying. That was that was pretty yeah, That was pretty cool. Yeah. cool.
1: yeah. Good good visual, good physical comedy there, I, I thought. But I'm um, still not I mean I guess he solved the problem in his own hawkeye sort of way. But uh he ain't all there yet as far as <laughs> um you know being being a uh, virtuous character no but um ultimately it is going to be hawkeye who who really saves the day um mm-hmm. uh, because after hank has sort of had his way with with the villains um you know egghead is is closing in on him he's he's uh he's pulled a gun on him while while hank has his back turned and hawkeye sees this shoots the arrow which goes into the barrel of the gun just as it's fired. The the back, I, I guess it backfires in that, uh, and it's some kind of energy weapon, right? This is not like a conventional pistol or anything. And uh, there's a big flash of energy, and oh shit, Egghead is now dead. Hawkeye um, killed Egghead, and I like Hawkeye how Hawkeye killed Egghead.
2: Was kind of depressed with it after it. He was like, you know, I can't believe I, I killed feel him.
1: Good about it. Yeah, he did not so, feel good about it. It's like it. you
2: were shooting an arrow at a guy. What The fuck did you think was going to happen, dumbass? So, it was a real well, it was a weird transition. So this that was the end
0: of X uh 229 and the 230. Like the art the artistic value. So Tim, just a quick question. You might yeah. know this. So the artist from 229
1: to 230 changed, right? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Um So 229 to 230 uh, nope. We actually had Al Milgram from 228 to two. He did the last three issues, although
0: because okay. the, the it looks like because I, I will tell you, I thought like 230 was just done.
1: I did too. The, like the i I opening, thought opening was
0: the opening yeah. page on 230 with him standing over Egghead, and <laughs> like that whole thing was just awesome. I love that front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
1: like, I thought that was a different artist too. It looked like they went back to Bob Hall, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, okay. it, apparently it was Al Milgram. I, again, Al Milgram was like a kind of a Jack of all trades, a, a Marvel staffer, um, throughout the eighties and much of the nineties too, I think. And, uh, he was an editor. He was an occasional writer, an occasional artist. Like he kind of just did whatever they needed him to. And I think he was just very, very good at emulating that house style as an artist and so maybe he just, um, yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more time to spend doing two thirty. Like, you know, hey, um, you've got a week to do two twenty eight. You've got, you've got three weeks to do two thirty. Like he knew, um, he wasn't quite as rushed there. It's maybe the impression I got because it does look better. That last issue, it's like I he took his time with it. Artistically, looks really, really good. Yeah, yeah, noticeably improved over the the previous two issues, really. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I picked up on that too, and I I did think it was somebody different, but nope, Al Milgram through through the last three there. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, two thirty so, serves as more of an epilogue at this point. Like the story is over. I mean, they the Masters of Evil are are <laughs> have been rounded up. They're actually going to corroborate uh Hank's story and, and say yeah this was all set up by Egghead we've even got this this uh special device that was invented by Tony Stark who by the way completely just disappears dipped, uh yes exited stage right
2: went to
0: rehab <laughs> towards the end of this thing
1: no he did go to rehab yes he's, <laughs> yeah,
0: actually, he's she... actually an alcohol he's actually an alcoholic at this point I
1: think um, oh yeah, I want to say in his own stories, he's in his own series. He's kind of going through it. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I actually think get he's to a, a full just on steaming in the right bottle. No, no, that was early. That was a it little was bit earlier. But that's also not the co- only also time. covered in another pod. I think. So, yes. yes. Yeah. Which <laughs> shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> yes. But no, I mean that. Um, that was not his first uh, and only episode. Uh, of you know alcoholism so all right so what is going on in iron man comics at this point i'm curious now let me look at mike's world and so iron man 166 denny o'neill luke mcdonald yeah i think this is
0: denny o'neill didn't he write the heroin story for uh
1: uh, (laughs) oh my ward speedy is a junkie uh Yes. So he's writing Um,
0: Iron Man's drunk now, too.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, none of these are jumping out at me, but, yeah, I mean, he did a lot of that alcoholism and, you know, yeah, I think that something was going on in Iron Man comics that pulled him out of the Avengers, for sure. Because for him to just disappear like that in the court, and we get no explanation for it, right? If anything, the characters are as kind of in the dark as as we are, as readers. So, and it's odd that they don't at least give us a footnote saying, hey, if you want to know what's up with Iron Man, check out, blah, 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 you know. Um. Anyway, all that is to say, and, and again, nothing's jumping out at me looking at these covers, as far as, yeah, we're getting to that era where... Ah, uh, there it is, 169.
0: 169. One sixty nine. Title: Blackout.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and the cover shows him pretty fucked up.
1: I and the very dead. next issue after that, you see um, someone taking off the helmet, and clearly it's Roadie. It's Roadie. Yeah, so that's <laughs> so, definitely, yeah. There you go. We're right there. Yeah, yeah. So he's fucked. He's fooked on alcohol. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm glad we sussed that out before he. <laughs> before that happens though he invents this little device that uh it's like a, a football helmet you put it on your head and it it uh basically determines whether you've been subject to mental <laughs> manipulation it's it's, it's like so a mind weird. control. it's so it's, weird. it's always, a mind-controlled control de- de- detecting device. yeah and uh so they use this to get various uh people off the hook it's like Um, So they use it on Trish, Egghead's niece, who had been previously manipulated. And it's like, oh, my God, uh, he uh, he was mind controlling her all along and planted these thoughts, these fake memories in her head. And so um, they do that with with her and Hank actually volunteers as well, because he wants to know, um, was was this someone an enemy? manipulating me externally to act the way I did or was I in full control of my own faculties?
0: When I hit my
1: wife, when I hit my wife. So this is a pretty important question, right? And I think the story could have maybe could have, you know, had that, that little out built in where it was like, Oh my gosh, unbeknownst to, to anyone, you were being controlled by egghead all along. But it doesn't do that, does it? It it says, no, Hank, you're responsible for your own actions. And he's he's not really surprised by this. He's like, yeah, that's about what I thought. Um, let's face it, guys, I really suck. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say it, but he all but says it. And uh, yeah, we get that call back to his, to his court-martial where um, he just says, I guess I'll be going now. Uh, and, that, and that's all he says when he, he leaves the team and it's, whereas that, when it was done that time, it was this very petulant, very, very petty, pitiful guy, um, who is just like, oh, w- what a, what a slime ball, right? Yeah. To, to call back to that here and put another spin on it, it's a little bit more redemptive. I don't know. I, I don't know if it gets us all the way there, but.
0: Hey, Tim, let's leave not forget, on a positive
1: note. Let's yeah. not
0: forget the rando, again, another appearance of someone that we saw. Oh, yes. The random appearance
1: of a Star Fox. Of Star Fox. Yes. Of Star Fox. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, we get this weird cutaway um, to Star Fox on Titan. Um he is an eternal. Uh he is Thanos' brother, as a matter of fact. Um and he is about to join the Avengers, actually. The very next episode the very next uh very next uh issue he does. So there you go. So this is a setup for him to ultimately join the Avengers. He's supposed to be looking after the late Captain Marvell's um I guess mm-hmm.
0: Girl, Love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: this chick, Alyssia's, yes. And he was like, you know, Marvel, Marvel wanted me to to look after you, but I, I'm being called by the Wanderlust again because <laughs> that's his whole thing. He's he's this dashing lives this life of of well, well, that's his,
0: that's his power too, though.
1: His power is to. So basically, he could seduce to seduce women. Yes, Yes. that's his power. Yes. Well, to seduce anyone, but primarily, primarily it's used in a way that makes women fall for him. Played by by the guy
0: from One Direction in the Eternals, by the way.
1: Played yes by (laughs) Harry Styles. Yeah, and at the end of which, I kind of hate that character anyway. Um, So I, I. Sort of so I'm cool. well, curious, Scott, watch-
0: Scott and Andy, did you guys put two to two together that was the same guy in the comic book as it was in the Eternals? No,
2: I, no. It, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but I didn't, I
0: didn't did think you did, but now you know. After yeah, this was Harry Styles at the end yep. of Eternals. Yep.
2: After seeing Harry Styles attempt to act in that shitty movie, Don't Worry, Darling, they yeah. probably should.
0: Just, uh... Well, well, guess what? Now you guys have now seen two characters out of this arc that debuted. In this
2: arc, yeah, that's actually pretty impressive that we've yeah. seen them and they've been re- recently. I get what you're saying, Sean, recently debuted in the MCU. Yep.
1: Um,
2: mm-hmm. it, I mean, I know with comics, we always got to have with like the last page, it's like, oh, and here's our next arc starting, but um, it's uh, Hank Pym sucks. That, that's just what I'll well,
3: we'll find. Out
0: well, <laughs> I would say the last pain, the last few, the PJs is a. Well, we both made some mistakes, blah, blah, blah. And then you see Hank drive off in the sunset, and you see Janet crying in the window with all the Avengers standing behind her. And that's the end of the arc, and then bye-bye, Hank, for a while. <laughs> that's
1: it. We're done. Right. And and she finally lets that, that wall, that, that veil slip, yeah, she just, right? She,
0: which, I like it. I like that's the final panel, because she finally lets it all out. And I think that's a good way uh, to end it, but... He also, we acknowledged that he punched her and he did it of his own free will. And I think that was a good way to end it. Actually. I think Roger, yeah. it was Roger Stern, right? It was Rod, yes, it's all I, Roger Yes. I, I think, I think he tied it up the right way to do it. He didn't ignore it happen, but I think he tied it up the best way he possibly could have, to be honest with you. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in a perfect world, you can tell this same story arc with the character. The slap is not necessary. Um,
0: well, no, but he's not the one that did the slap So he had to no, figure he, he he out didn't, of no. it
1: out No, I'm not putting that on him by any means I'm just looking, big picture wise When we look at the issues we covered And we say, was this a story worth telling? Right, with this character yes. And I, I think it is, but I think the They could have told
0: the story without the slap They could have done the whole He's jilted, without he's angry, here. he's feeling like a cuck he needs to do something to feel better. And they could have done it totally without the slap for a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that the slap does exist and did happen means that you kind of have to tread very, very lightly after something like that. And I, I don't know that they really did. And I don't think that Jim shooter was really the, the writer who was, who, who should have handled that, that fall. Follow- like he shouldn't have done it in the first place, but the fact that he did, um, kind of told you this. This is not going to be handled with uh, a light touch. No pun intended. G- certainly, G- Jim Shooter, yeah. the gift that keeps on giving.
0: Uh, hey, really,
1: it's fascinating. I yeah.
0: want to go back to something earlier, the start of this pod that Shift asked about. About basically Scott Lang being Ant Man in the movies. I don't yeah. think this arc has anything to do with it. What I think. I think Scott Lang is more modern day Ant Man in most people's eyes, and it feels better in terms of the time frame the comics are in now. Yeah. And I think more people would be familiar with it than they would Hank Pin as Iron Man because or, or as um, Ant Man because he hasn't been Ant Man for a long time. Do I think it has some symmetry? I don't know. I really don't. I don't think they could tell I, mean, the, or I don't think they could have told the Ant Man story they want to tell with Hank Pym in the role. I
1: don't. I don't think it helps that. Hank Pym, founding Avenger, is, uh, you know, uh, uh, an abusive.
0: Okay, here's, bag, right? so here's. But my question is, if they hadn't have told that story in the comics, do you think the Ant Man movie we would have got modern day would have been with Hank Pym in a different movie, or would they wanted to tell the Scott Lang story? If Scott Lang had still become Ant Man regardless.
1: I think the real problem is that. The Ant Man movie was supposed to happen a lot earlier than it did. And if that had been the case, I think that would have been the time to introduce Hank Pym. But then why put Hank Ant-Man. Pym in the movie at all? That's my whole point. Yeah, well because because you can uh if you introduce Hank Pym as as Ant Man, if that Ant Man movie had happened a lot Earlier than it did, because remember, it was the whole Edgar Wright was going to direct it, but he it just kept getting delayed. Just be Edgar Wright, yeah. I mean, you know, come on. Um, (laughs) And so it didn't happen until ultimately after Age of Ultron. And it's like, well, what's what are the two things Hank Pym is known for? Hitting his wife and creating Ultron. Um, But
0: in the movies, he but in the movie he didn't.
1: I think he would have if we. I think we. yeah, but I think he would have if we had gotten that movie when it was supposed to happen.
0: But so did they need him for Ant Man because he created Pim Particles and that was the only way to do it?
1: Um, maybe. I mean Pim Particles are a thing, so it I mean it it helps. So it's like I think they just wanted to explore the concept of a legacy character right. in the MCU. Who who um, do
0: we need to interview? Who do we need to interview to find out? I really need to know
1: now. Yeah, I don't know. Um <laughs> Kevin Feige, I guess. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. But I, it's a really yeah. interesting question. I'd love to know the real answer. It's really interesting.
1: So, but but to your point, I, I, I think your point is, is well taken, that if if they were that... Um, against it, why have them in the movie at all? Why have him in, in the movie at all, right? Because they would if have found a way around it. They, they
0: could have found a way around it without putting him in minute if they wanted to,
1: is what I'm saying. Yeah, so it, it's yeah. sort of like, he. it's good enough that we can, it's not so bad that um, we're not going to use him at all. And, and we're, we're still going to use him in a heroic capacity, but it is so bad that he can't be the character. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Maybe um, the redemption in the movie was they had, um, you haven't seen the movie yet, have you, Tim? I don't That's care. That. It's fine. I was gonna say maybe maybe.
1: Ant spoilers. Maybe so, I was gonna yeah.
0: say like the redemption in the third movie was that Janet cheated on Hank Pym with Bill Murray as a way of getting back for the comic. I don't oh, know. God. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But then wow. he
2: said that he had he hooked up with someone too, and I can't remember her name. Oh. And um, he's like, we have we all have needs. Yeah, well, I know. But her
0: with her need was with Bill Murray. I mean, let's yeah. be well,
2: real. But what if? This is gonna sound fucked up, but I had this conversation with a friend. Um, what if, when she said that she had sex with Bill Murray, like uh, Hank Pym just backhanded her? then?
1: Oh God! So it happened, but we God damn it, seen it, if you made spill out my water on that, God damn it! <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think if I like, if I were to redo the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think. And this is real, just total fan fiction now, right? I, I think I do include Hank and Janet as founding Avengers. I don't ever have him slap her at any point um, in the course of these movies, but I do probably have him hand the reins off to like Scott Lang at some point, so that you you do get both characters in there, yeah. right? And we
0: did and we didn't mention that in this arc. Scott Lang makes a very brief appearance twice. Once he, he goes, does, to prison, yeah. once the guy goes to prison to break Hank out, and then the other one he goes to something with Janet to, I guess, the helmet well, or he, something. He, with,
1: he brings yeah, the he replaces yeah. Iron Man in the story at the yes. end. He's like, yes. uh, you know, Tony, uh, Iron Man had a lot to do um, in his own title in so many words. So and he brings the uh, helmet. He, here's the thing he was working right. on. He told me to give it to you. Yeah, yeah. and then he's gone again, and Janet kind and then of now. out.
0: Jada kicks him out because he can't stand to see him shift into Ant Man because it reminds him, it reminds her of, Right. Yeah. yeah. So
1: that's cheesy, but anyway. <laughs> I kinda like that. I kinda like that. I I feel like again, it's you know, it's it's intense it. for her. I got so. it. I got
0: it. But anyway, that's the arc. One of my all time favorites. If you guys wanna read it, I would go read it because
1: it's a very interesting character study for sure, I thought. So that's well said. If nothing else, it's it's not like maybe the Avengers you expect. There's not a lot of Avengers action. Um it'll sock you, know, you. It'll
0: definitely sock you.
1: But as a character study, it's it's pretty it's pretty um interesting. And I I got a lot out of it. I got a lot more out of it than I expected. I mean, I know we're running long, but and I have pretty much said my piece as as we've gone along here, but this gave me a lot more just as a sort of comics historian, because um, I, I do take an interest in just the overall history and um kind of the tropes and the ins and outs of of the industry. And this is where I'm like, oh, okay, I see early signs of this sort of thing, right? And
0: How much Marvel God. Cinematic Universe we get out of this arc, and I didn't even realize that until I actually read yeah. through it. I mean, it's pretty eye-opening. It's pretty insane, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Scott, so, so, are, so Scott, so I guess, are we going to ask everyone like final thoughts,
1: Tim? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I'll just say, I, I think I've, like I said, I, I think I've kind of said, you know, my whole spiel as, as we've gone along here, I, I think it's a, a valuable character study. Um, I, I think it, <laughs> well, it certainly accomplished its initial goal of, uh, differentiating Hank Pym from his peers. It gave him a hook uh, that was far different from the other intellectuals of, of the Marvel Universe. But I think you also could have accomplished this without um, having him abuse his wife, which uh, wow. is certainly a decision. I just It just seems like it was something that was done in haste and quickly realized... Oh crap! We just stepped over the line here, and we've got to do damage control. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, Roger Stern salvages that over the course of four issues, impressively, and ties a neat little bow on it. I think. I thought so.
0: Schiff, would, rec- would, you, would you recommend people to read this one? Did you like it in the end?
2: I would recommend people reading it, um, just because of the historical significance of it. I will. I do agree with Tim. Uh, Shooter got it off to a rocky start, and it didn't seem like he didn't know where the hell he like. I think he might have thought, "I know what I'm doing A to Z, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing from B to Y." That is so, a, yeah. good, point. Yeah. good point. So I think the other, yeah, I forgot his name. The guy that came in try to reclaim Roger, it. Roger yeah, Stern. Roger yeah. Stern. Um, but 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 at that point, it's too far gone. But definitely check it out for like I said, the historical contents of it, because like I said, it's been 40 years and Hank Pym's in co- in the comic book world is still a wounded soldier so- soldier. Like he wounded uh, Janet.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? And I also think that had they been willing, had subsequent writers been willing just to let this go, to let this go, to let it stand, to let Roger Stern's conclusion truly be the final word on this matter. Not that, You can't ever bring it up again, but for every writer to come along and be like, well, I'm going to do my redemption story for Hank when it's already been done so many times. And that just keeps it in the collective consciousness. That's why we can't move on from this. I think more than anything. Um, But, but I think uh, Roger Stern did the heavy lifting here that if we could have just, I don't want to say drawn a line under it, but, but treated this guy as someone who, yes, he, he abused, um, his wife, but he is atoned for that. He has gotten some therapy and as controversial as that kind of is, it, it, we, we should allow for people to, to do better and to get better and to become better as human beings. and, you know, I, I think we that could have been the story of of Hank Pym ultimately, but because it just keeps coming around and around, and you know, they just they can't let this thing go. Um, that's why I say ultimately, they just should have not done this in the first place. It just in terms of the one scene that goes too far. Um, yeah. but as a character arc, it it does have a lot of value. And
0: Andy, what do you think?
3: I mean, I liked it. It was a lot to ingest. Uh, I mean, not a lot of avenging. I mean, they when they did fight, they, they <laughs> right. brought some that shitty robots. That is a good
0: ro- point. Not, a lot, not, a, lot not a lot of avenging. Not a lot of
3: avenging. A good uh, uh, sure. Some shitty robots and, and like the C Squad of uh, villains. But I mean, if if you're interested in like, you know, drama and again, soap opera stuff, I mean, it's an interesting story. And it played out and had a, I mean, it had a lot of characters in it too. There was a lot going on. I had, I had to get a scorecard out to keep track of who was where and, and what, but it was a fun read. I could see why you like it though. So I, I would, I would recommend it, but just know it's not like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, you know, TV, you know, one hour drama than, than two hour yeah. Avenger movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. The last thing I'll say on it, though, is like, Hank's not gone long. He goes to the West Coast Avengers. And by the way, his whole thing with robots, I do believe, Tim, he also brings back the original human torch, Jim Hammond.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. So so he brings him back into the
0: spot, too. Yes.
1: That was a whole thing because they thought that vision, yes, was the original, like, the original human torch. Torch, yes he was repurposed at by Ultron correct to become vision. And then John Byrne decided he didn't want to do that. Correct. That they were, they were separate entities and said, nope, uh, and I'm going to bring back the original human torch. Yeah. And so like, Sh- oh. so, Shiff
0: and Andy, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ordeal. There is two human torches. One was a robot and Hank Pym brings it back for the West oh, Coast. Avengers. So God. just that one, well, I
1: mean <laughs> as unkind as, as John Byrne's writing was of the vision, it was actually rather sympathetic of Hank Pym. Um, he he kind of did continue down this path that Stern yes had set him off on, and it sort of right. was like we're seeing the story of hey people do have the capacity the change. to change for the better. Which,
3: by and, the way, I'm and right. I
1: think they they threw that out late much much later. Like they they did a good job of you know kind of keeping up with that. I think he. He has a little stint again with the Avengers in the '90s, where he comes back as as Giant Man. Yeah. That's during the the Bob Harris run. My God, yeah, um, one of my favorites, right? And uh, you know, then they do Heroes Reborn. He comes back. Kurt Busiek does some really good work with uh, Hank and Janet. Um, they, I mean, they end up reconciling ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it becomes the, just the parade of nonstop. Well, uh, he's a, he's a wife abuser and now we have to fix him. And it's like, did you not read the past 20 years worth of character work for this guy? Like he be- he's been as fixed as he can possibly be. He doesn't need to be fixed again.
0: It's <laughs> him. And it is the last thing I'll say. And then, cause I know we're running late, but staying in West Coast Avengers, it made me think of, did you ever read the Phantom Rider
1: arc in that series? Ooh, yeah, that's rough. That might,
3: that's that, real that, rough. That, that
0: might be long-term. Talk about some long, bad
1: Hawkeye. Long, yeah.
0: Long-term, maybe. Maybe. Maybe long-term. We'll see. Ooh, I don't, anyway. yeah. We may not be equipped to tackle
1: that We yeah, we'll We can see. try. Maybe long-term. That's down the road. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, we are running long. Yes. We knew we would. But yep. just to wrap it up... I, I will direct people who are more interested in just kind of the background. If you're not going to read the comics and you're just more interested in sort of sort of the backstory here, um Sean, I think you provided a really good link. It's a Reddit thread actually from the subreddit called Hobby Drama, which I'm not familiar with, but it's called uh it, it so it's a, a comics centered hobby drama as as it implies. But the, uh, the topic is titled The Slap Herd Round the World. Uh, and if I can get it to pull up. Um, there we go. The Slap Heard Round the World How a Single Panel Destroyed Hank Pym's Legacy. And so this is a lengthy... I mean, basically going over what, what we've already covered. But I just found it very well written. Um, this person has a real knack for this sort of thing it, it it's written in a way that that's very entertaining and and easy to follow for as long as it is um and there's a you know there, there's a ton a ton of comments here just kind of arguing and discussing and you know n- nobody nobody goes too far here as as is sometimes the case with reddit where it's like ooh this just became real toxic like it, it's a pretty Um, civil discussion that I think has had over the course of this, uh, this topic here on hobby drama on Reddit. So I got a, got a kick out of that. So thank you, Sean. Yeah. It's
0: a great, uh, that's
1: a great read. Yeah. for pulling that up. There, Mm -hmm. there's a line at one point, I'll just say um, at one point in the many, many um, (laughs) redemptions that apparently don't redemption stories that don't take, even though he'd already been redeemed for Hank film, he opens like a, a um, a shelter for battered women or something like that, and it's like this was awkward because it 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 read a bit like um, Darth Vader opening attending the ribbon cutting for a hospital of children stabbed to death by lightsabers. <laughs> Good lord,
3: Jesus! <was laughs>
1: one? I mean, this is the way it's written, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of lines like that, um. Yeah, here we go. It's like Darth Saber cutting the ribbon at a home for children who got stabbed by lightsaber. So yeah, I basically <laughs> did that justice. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's that bad, but yeah, a little little, uh, little rough there. Um, So if you do want to read this, all the issues uh, you can find on Marvel Unlimited, we told you what they were uh and there are some collections as well uh on Kindle uh comicsology there's a trade that collects uh issues 212 through 230 so that includes the stuff you know that we the issues we didn't talk about here that aren't directly related to this story arc I there's, imagine a, there's, it's a black, a, there's a black there's
0: a black night arc in there by the way too
1: yeah there sure is yeah yes uh,
0: it sucks. Jeez. you suck you suck shit yeah, <laughs> you're, you're lucky you're lucky i didn't throw that in there just to be a dick anyway guy, well, i'll
3: Shif. tell you
1: what does i'll tell you what does suck once we get off off this call because it's just unrelated all right um but was disappointing to me about black knight but anyway uh, i imagine this is probably one of those what avengers epic um trades that's just collecting in various volumes correct. The that entire correct. run yep. yeah yep Okay. So and, and then paperback, um, it'll set you back a good two hundred forty five dollars, <laughs> apparently, on eBay, I guess. Yes. Uh there's a Marvel Masterworks as well. That's that's a hardback. Um And it is apparently volume shift just <laughs> distracting me with God, this. What the fuck? Yeah. avengers uh marvel masterworks volumes 2021 and 22 again that's going to give you the story in its entirety but there's not like a i gather that there's not a uh, a dedicated trial of yellow jacket trade that is just these issues you sort of have to either read them selectively on marvel unlimited um or get get the uh digital collections that include a lot of other stuff as well so anyway that is the long and short of it mostly the long this is our longest episode i'm sure by far but it's a lot of issues a lot to cover and it gave me uh a ton of entertainment and uh hopefully you guys a lot of insight so all right let's get out of here uh sean do you have anything you would like to promote podcasting wise social media wise that you uh want to put out to the world.
0: uh i will just uh promote uh over on the uh north south feed uh the seven months of danger podcast where we're going through the history of the dangerous alliance i do that with schiff uh along with logan and matt Souza, and we are in the last 10 episodes of that pod series so please give that one a listen awesome
1: uh Scott Shiflet.
2: Alright, I'm oh, gonna get you this like right it? for once. don't, <laughs> um,
1: no, because
3: it's funny if he don't. First that. first time for everything. Uh
2: I got a new podcast here on the pop feed called Play While You Listen. It's a video game podcast mm-hmm. where I'm joined by a guest every month to go over the <laughs> biggest news in video games and the releases for the next month. I can be found on um here it's coming, it's fucking up now. And, and that can be found on <laughs> twitter at uh, play listen pod and i do youtube roulette on the wrestling feed with jake logan uh, matt souza and sean every seven months Uh, and that's it
1: very good andy atherton what do you got going
3: on yeah just check me out on this very feed part of the video jukebox so every weekday 8 a.m I usually do two of them a week and then every Thursday I have one of my many podcasts drop, whether it's Blockbuster Rewatch, Pop Goes of Classics, the Pixar Live Watches, the the Disney series, the Muppet Pod, the Cartoon Pod, Laughing Theater, lots of fun stuff. Um and check me out on Stream Lounge. I'm pretty much there every Wednesday night, alternating between Pixar Live Watches and Blockbuster Live Watches. Uh, Just got to do uh, all caught up on the MCU going to be doing Wakanda forever as of this recording is my next one and then um, hitting a couple of randos and then getting into the Star Wars uh, saga starting at episode four in the proper order as God intended and in Pixar I believe I am up to the good dinosaur next which sucks. So not looking Sounds like forward. you're on Pixar games. <laughs> Pixar so movies. I'm making a Pixar movie. Yeah, it's not uh, not good. It's good. See that Inside Out. Four. I forget which one is next. It, it, they all blend together uh, at some point. And then on the Wrestling Network, check me out on Who's Next, uh, dropping once a month. Myself and Logan going over the previous month of television on the NXT brand current product, not. The yes. legacy content, like another fine podcast covers on that very feed. Yeah. And then, yeah, just whatever place to be, nation.com, go there, pods, articles, have fun.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of that uh, legacy NXT podcast, that is one that I do. It's called PTB NXT with myself, Jennifer Smith, and Jacob Williams. That can be found on Place to Be Nation Wrestling. Uh, We're in the year 2015 of NXT, going through all the, uh, we've already covered 2014, so we're doing all the the weekly TVs and uh, takeovers, and we are rapidly approaching Sami Zayn's rematch Uh, Well, the rematch between uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, this time with Sami challenging for the NXT Championship. So kind of topical given what's currently going on. WWE wise heading into WrestleMania with these two characters, very prominently featured. Some uh, some nice unplanned synergy on our part there. Also on Place Nation Wrestling, uh, I do a show called Talking WCW. It is with Jennifer Smith as well, and Greg Phillips uh, had our most recent edition of that on uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Pretty fun. And we'll have another episode coming very soon in the month of March. Going to be select matches that we choose from Uncensored. A great March pay-per-view from WCW. She already did that match, though, so oh. these will be matches we haven't talked about yet from, from Uncensored. So we've already done the most infamous matches from the show, I feel like. We've done, we've done King of the Road. We've done uh, the, the Alliance to End Hulkamania uh, Doomsday Cage match. So we're going to have to get a little creative, but Uncensored is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, right here on Placement Nation Pop. I did a podcast with you, Andy. Uh, yes. Your new podcast called "Cartoons of Our Youth." So, just the second episode of that, we talked some
3: gargoyles. Quite, was, I quite enjoyed that. You got you and uh, you and Sean set the bar really high on that pot of being the first two guests, and looking forward to what's coming next.
1: Yeah, well, I like that, Sean. I liked uh, y'all's debut episode, Sean uh, talking some GI Joe with you. Um, so you know gargoyles gargoyles, it's great it's it's just a
3: love fest here well gargoyles was good good.
1: it's not one i got into and he's got me into wanting to watch it now so i know it's well it's got me rewatching it now jesus (laughs) like i don't have enough going on um hell and if you're looking for more uh melodramatic story love for melodramatic storytelling uh i have 9021 Noso of Beverly Hills 90210 retrospective mm. episode by episode. We are in the second season now. We being myself and the Immortal, JT Rosero. Um we're we are closing in on some some major major uh shakeups in the second season. We have met Emily Valentine. Uh, Scott is still on the show. Uh-uh. But let's just say <laughs> that uh Things are going to change. Uh, my time is way. coming. I'm excited. Very, <laughs> the, the time is coming. Very soon.
0: My time is coming.
1: Yes. Oh, boy. Um, if you don't want to talk about these shows or anything else, uh, social media wise, I am on Twitter at psych68. C Y K E 6 8. I did a lot of talking tonight. You sure did. You did a great job, too. You fucking killed it. Killed Thank it. you for putting up with me, guys. I know this was uh Put up quite with the shit. I was
0: dying for this shit. I'm good.
1: <laughs> good, good. <laughs> uh, that's what I want to hear. But I want to hear it from everyone. So ah! hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed this as much as we did. Sean, I you know, I look forward as much, if not more, as you. But uh yeah, I send us feedback as well if you listened and enjoyed this. If you didn't, that's fine. I mean we can take it. We're not, you know. Weak little ninnies you can throw us around. <laughs> like, never mind. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking here.
2: <laughs> oh, no, please keep going. It's usually me who fucks up at the end, so
1: keep on. no nope, I'm not going to step in it after I've done so well uh, up to this point. No, yeah. no uncouth Look, comments here.
3: Looking forward to next month. I believe it's Tim's pick once again. We've gone around the bases oh, once already. It's hard to believe.
0: It is your pick, yeah. Jim. Next round's your pick.
1: I don't know what it's going to be yet, so yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll let you guys know in the chat. So, awesome. Have a lot of ideas. Haven't settled on any of them just yet. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We're going to get out of here, but we will see you again. Hopefully next month. This is a seems like a semi month. It's as monthly as we can make it. I'll put it that way.
0: Well, uh, this one was my okay. fault, so we'll see.
1: Not you really. Usually is. Mean, it's. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be back when we're back. It won't be too much. Go fuck myself long. on
0: that one. Let's end this <laughs> Let's
1: go. And we'll all go fuck ourselves. Good night, all right. everybody. <laughs>